Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have five, count them, five nights of G1 to cover. The Judgment Day is everywhere. FTR is getting ready to fight MJF and Adam Cole coming up this week. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that 9 to 5, it's time to feel alive. Hello, Marks, welcome to the Band from Ringside Podcast. As always, I am your host, Bill Veggie, a.k.a. Job Euchre. And sitting directly <laughs> across from me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, Jason <laughs> Some Sometimes simplicity works best, <laughs> especially in the dog days of July and baseball season. Well played, gentlemen. Well played on that lovely note. I'll ask for congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside podcast, volume 318, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. Another interesting week of wrestling. Five G1s, death before dishonor, Raw, SmackDown. Great American Bash predictions. Load this show, baby. Let's do this shit. Thank you for doing my job for me. I didn't mention Death Before Dishonor or Great American Bash, but we will be covering that also. And out there in Portland, Oregon, we have three beers. What's going on, Zach? Here for Weston House. I just realized that you have the AKA, uh, Jason has the Holy Trinity, and I don't have a gimmick. And uh, the Hard Mountain Dude just released out here in Portland. And I'm probably going to die in, like, I don't know, like, three, four weeks because it's pretty tasty. <laughs> um, so I'm going to, like, die without a gimmick. And uh, that's kind of sad. But uh, if you have anything you want to put in my eulogy or, like, in my obituary, my wife's on Friends of BFR is going to, like, DM her. Don't try to, like, fuck her, at least for a little while. Uh, but slide into her DMs. And uh, just, like, I don't know if you have any anything. Because she doesn't listen to this. So if there's anything you want to say. Uh, about me after I'm dead I'm Hard Mountain Dude just uh, just slide in there I tell you what getting <laughs> killed because there's a new Mountain Dew because of, of the new Hard Mountain Dew is kind of a gimmick and, and I would and I would push back on that to, to begin with. You gotta go all the way through with it, but you're it's the, a gimmick. You're the joke guy, okay? I can't come up with raunchy jokes to save a, a, my life, okay? You do that shit at a drop of a hat. You make the joke. So you said you said simplicity was better. So I want to tell you the AKA that I just thought of about ten minutes before you came, and I was like, "There's no way I can make this work." But right. I was, like, trying to come up with something that had to do with the heat because it's so fucking hot here and right. so humid. And I was going to say, man, it's so hot humid out there because of the global warm mang. <laughs> I, I think that we're just smarky enough and just old enough to get that right. Right? <laughs> but the global warm mang part... <laughs> It would work better written out. You know, right. it's, it's not necessarily an yeah. audible thing. No. You got, you kind of got to see it. It's yeah, a visual it's thing. M E N G is different when you actually see it. You know what I'm saying? That, that but don't get I me wrong. Both are good. I gotta ask you guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys do this, but like, so my wife was out of town this weekend. She uh, went to see Taylor Swift up in Seattle with my daughter, and my son was at a sleepover. So I was like 
a bachelor and I'm not used to that. And so like, I have to like put on the TV cause I'm not used to just being alone ever. And so I put on like 1997, 1986, like WCW, just let it play. And actually it's so comforting. Like, yeah, Haku and Ming are there. Um, I don't know if you guys do that, but it's like just background noise of like your, your childhood or I guess, I guess for JCB, it'd be like his mid thirties, but um. <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> told my joke. <laughs> yes, hit. Fuck you. <laughs> you stole my joke, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I never do that. I have like what I've started doing lately, though, is I started over the X Files. And like, oh, I, nice. I don't really pay attention to them. And if it's if it's like a monster of the week one, sometimes I'll skip it because I, I like I kind of want just the ones that are all about the mythology of the show, you know, like the smoking man ones and stuff. But like, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty easy to have like an old X-Files, you know, 40 minutes on Hulu. You zip in, you zip out. It hits all the beats. Yeah. You Law know? and Order uh, SVU. I've been yeah, catching a lot thing. of lately. It's thing. just like, God. Damn, this show is fucking good. Yeah, so I get what you. I I get your meaning for sure. Maybe I'll start putting on old wrestling. I haven't thought about it. I just I just never thought that Larry Zabisco would like lull me to sleep, but. <laughs> Bad Mike commentary would do like, that to you. <laughs> Mike Denae's just like creaming his pants over Jason Thunder Liger, and I'm like, oh yeah, like you know, it's good stuff. Anyway, speaking of wrestling, let's get it started. Let's get to that three count. JCB, kick it off. So many choices. So many choices. Sorry, Matt. Or sorry, Mike. You can go ahead and start fast-forwarding right now because we're going to start talking about the G1. We have five straight days. Or four. So much Four days in a row, but five total days. We'll start with the 721 show, day five. Um, What stands out to me... Probably the last two matches for sure, Tai Chi versus Okada. Um, tai Chi at this point was undefeated, so was Okada. They had it probably, or oh, I'll even say by my match score, it would, became the best match of the tournament. Um, tai Chi coming in with the KOPW championship. I thought if there was the time to do it, if there was the time to do it, this would be the time he's... Not hot like Sonata, but he's probably the next tier down. Unfortunately, he falls to Okada with a sweet-ass roll-up for the win. Main event, uh, Yodosuji versus Sonata, I thought was another kind of a standout match because this was a rematch of the Dominion match. Not, <clears throat> excuse me, not, um, I won't say like breathtaking because the Dominion match, we didn't know what Yodosuji was going to bring to the table. And every time you looked up, he was doing something. You're just like, what the fuck? Oh shit. He's doing the moonsault over the top. What the fuck is this? And every time, you know, he would do something else, it would just be more and more, you know, just adding to the arsenal of things you just didn't know he could do. If you saw the match Royal quest match, I guess that was last year. Again, uh, him versus uh, Tomohiro Ishii, you had some sort of glimpse, but the Dominion match was basically the full episode of Yodosuji, and this kind of carried on to it. Unfortunately for Yodosuji and us LIJ fans, he takes the L there. Great Okan, I think, finally is something to talk about because we've been kind of – I've been disappointed because – 
Naito was the guy that kind of put him over three years ago in the G1. And from that point, his G1s have been lackluster to say the least. He finally gets on the board beating ELP. Um, Gabriel Kidd continues to run rampant over anybody that's in his way. Um, Shoto and Kaito Kiyomita battled into a 20-minute draw is probably something that we're going to have to keep a put a little asterisk to because these draws are adding up for Shota Umino in a good way because he's not taking losses. He's getting points. If you, he can start putting some wins together, hint, hint, you can be doing something good. Zach, uh, what was your match of the night and any other stray thoughts about night five of the G1? I love your hint. It was like, hey, uh, win some matches. Spoiler alert, I'll tell you when the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Very Tim but, Carver-esque. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, Will Ospreay Kenta, uh, we actually, I feel like this is the first time I've seen old Kenta in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was, yeah, him just being <clears throat> motivated because he's in there with maybe the best in the world. Uh, but um, big Brian Danielson vibes, uh, which... Just, I mean, Brian Nelson just copied Kenta, but uh, he was back to that great Kenta. So that was really good. Um, Love the draw between Umino and Kiyomiya. That was high impact, high energy. Uh, two young guys just really going at it. Love that. Um, Okada Taichi, probably the best match of the night, um, unsurprisingly. And um, really loved Sonata Yoda Suji, the rematch. Uh, like you said, the last four matches, it was a really good night of wrestling. Um, you know, like some of these little ho hums you know, you're going to have those, but uh, this is a really good show. Uh, I really liked it. I agree. I I mean, obviously, I think the match of the night was Okada Taichi, but um, I was also a real big fan of Gabe Kidd versus Ren Narita. Um, I was going to say the same thing that Zach said about Kenta. Like, it's, pro- it's either because he felt motivated that he was going against Osprey or Osprey gets a better match. Osprey gets the best out of his opponents every single time. It's probably somewhere combination in, of both in between the two, but um, yeah, I agree. This was a really good night of wrestling. Okada Taichi, uh, just to kind of just kind of sit on it for a second, had me believing. They were telling a really fun story. Got my ass. Um, Kevin Kelly was great on commentary, talking about how Tai Chi is kind of Okada's, uh, or Okada's Tai Chi's kind of great white whale. He can't beat him. I love the touch after Okada won at the end when Tai Chi showed him his King of Pro Wrestling belt and said, are you going to come after this? And Okada pointed at his wrist like he had a watch on. Very, very nice touch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In Kevin time, Kelly brother. Kevin Kelly's burying the title. He's like, yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, he's really coming after your King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> he did say that, too. I was like, come on, Kate. You're supposed to say that, man. I was about to say, we got to leave it out there just in case Okada doesn't win number five. Jesus. I would have uh, – they really would have been showing me something if Yodosuji would have beat Sonata, um, but I really didn't expect it to happen. Still, a cool match. Yodosuji is the real deal. That. I was really upset that that didn't happen. Not upset. I, I, okay. I was surprised because in my head, I was like, okay, Suji's going to win this one. And they they did a really great job. Sonata looked really good. He's he's playing his role in this tournament really well, and Suji just has so much charisma, which is the opposite of Sonata, right? Sonata's got everything but charisma. That's right. So whenever he was in there, I was <laughs> just like, exactly oh, right. now is the time. 
I'll just say this, and I was shaking my head no, and I think we all need to sometimes take a step back and realize Yoda Suji just came back from excursion. Show the Umino, same way. Yeah. Renarita, same way. Yeah, but Yoda Suji is the truth. I'm I'm not disagreeing with that, okay? We all can agree that Yoda Suji is probably the best of the bunch. Yes. Okay. I agree with me agreeing with that. Okay, now that being said, <laughs> now that being said, they're not just going to push these guys in front of established, you know, stars. Sonata deserves his run, and this is going to be his time to do it. We'll talk about more him, obviously, down the line. But I honestly think that this is just – I'll speak for myself on this. I need to temper my expectations, especially with Yoda Suji, because he – literally and figuratively leaps off the screen sometimes to the point where you're just like, man, you know, this, you just in a year, you can just imagine what he can be in three years. You can imagine what he can be. So in that scenario, it's hard for, you know, to have your expectations tempered. So I agree with that, but I don't have a necessary problem with Sonata or going over, you know, Suji in this one. It's his time. He's the champ. Let him have his run. So we got two more nights to discuss with the A and B blocks. So we can keep it moving to unless Zach had one more thought about a match that night. No, it's, it's fine. Not no. Uh, what what's up with night six, Jason? Uh, Seven twenty-three, night six. Um, from what I have numbers wise, it did not score very well. I, I, while, while watching it, I did feel like this was probably a low point of the tournament so far. I highlighted this with uh, Shingo versus Ishii uh, as my match of the night. Um, it was for me. It was what I expected, and then some. Neither guys backing away. As soon as the bell rang, they met each other in the ring, and they just went at it. It's what you expect. Ishii at this point is almost <laughs> him and Tanahashi are the two guys that I I would almost worry about not making it back to the G one next year. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, Got to talk about my boy Naito fucking with Yano so bad that he almost blew his head off. That that to me right there is justification. Number one, fuck Yano. Number two, that was justification for all the fuckery that I've had to endure over the years when it comes to Naito and Yano. That match right there was like, ugh. So you like it? Oh, it was the fact that Yano just couldn't wait. Naito's in his head so much now at the, at the before the match even started. They had to start over the fucking song because Yano a couple times, right? At least once, maybe even a second time. But that's the point. All you had to do was just sit back in the corner, let my man slide on in with the cape, the whole nine yards. He'll get in the ring when he's damn good and ready. The fact that it, he was in his head is different than what you normally see. Is Yano usually playing the mind games and others falling tr- the victim of said mind games neither here nor there like i said pretty fucking funny before before i throw before you go on i just want to say this is probably yano's best tournament ever yano's having a great g1 okay (laughs) i'm not sure how you want me to respond to that so i'll just move along um main event evil versus finley just has intrigue for the fact that it's bullet club versus bullet club war dogs versus uh house of torture 
plenty of fuckery going around. If you can, if you like that sort of thing, knock yourself out. Myself, not a huge fan. From there, uh, a bunch of matches that were just good, not great. Uh, Cobb Tanahashi was a little scary at points. <laughs> Tanahashi scares me now at this point. I don't even want him getting at the top rope. Um, Alex Coughlin's ZSJ, I thought was an intriguing curtain jerker. And then from that point, you just have, you know, pretty good matches. Tamatana wins, uh, Goto wins, Eddie Kingston over Hanari. Yeah, that covers 723. Zach, thoughts? Yeah, Tanahashi's uh, having a better G1 than I thought he would after Forbidden Door, but I totally understand uh, what you're saying. Um, Ishii versus Takagi, like, if you're going to, like, watch this show and you're like behind like a normal person would be who doesn't host the wrestling podcast and you're like oh I haven't watched this yet uh, watch like Ishii Takaki and like watch Tanahashi Cobb and then you can probably skip the most of it even though I fully enjoyed Naito and Yano like the match is like seven minutes long but there's like at least seven minutes or more before the match which is actually maybe even more entertaining um, but yeah this is kind of just a I said, like, some nights are ho-hum, some nights have been real good. This is, like, one that was just kind of there. Yeah, this is when you feel like you're kind of starting to drift into that for, like, the excitement is off, you know, the bloom's off the rose, and now you're just kind of settled in. Like, enough to be annoyed by certain matches. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> the G1 grind begins night six. Like, I, I know I was just just loving all over Goto last week but like when it's Shane Hayes versus Goto I'm like oh. and I'm a TMDK guy I like both Biggest guys one of the biz. no I like both guys I just it just felt like it was a, a pretty good match it never really got out of gear for me Ishii Shingo fucking ruled yeah easily the match of the night of night six hands down and I'm with Zach too Cobb and Tanahashi uh was good I'm you know who I'm really into uh Mikey Nichols he interests He's standing me. out. Yeah, I was getting ready to say I like um, Shane Haste a little better if you just if you want to say singles wise, and this has nothing to do with what happens later on. I, I like Haste before Mikey Nichols, but I do like Mikey Nichols just in the sense that you know he's not one that's going to back down. You know he's going to meet you in the middle of the ring or whatever the case may be. Shane Haste just to me has more of that athleticism. He kind of leaps off the ring. Mikey Nichols is more of a grinder. He's he's a Ishii just in a taller uh, Caucasian form. Yeah. Um, where are we at on Eddie Kingston's tournament thus far? Go ahead, uh, Three Beer. Uh, I mean, considering the Ishii match that he just had, very high on it. Uh, I mean, overall, what he's, he's done, uh, Takagi, which was great, and then Ishii, which was superlative. Like, depending on your style of match that you enjoyed, um, you could argue Ishii Kingston was the best of the bunch so far if you just like that style. Um, it's in the top three for me, for sure. Top three tournament thus far? Top three of the tournament, yeah. You have Eddie Kingston in the top three. See, I think that it doesn't. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the that. match. Ishii, Eddie oh, Kingston. Oh, okay, uh, okay, my bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't. He's not making it out of the block or anything, but uh, he's doing, he's doing good. What do you think, Jason? Um, I'm, I'm just happy, honestly, for Eddie Kingston to get this chance to go over and, you know, have this bucket list checked off. You know, to be such a, a fan of Japanese style wrestling 
Perezu, if you will, and then go over and and be a, and have a chance to do it and be a part of it, then he'll always be going down in history. Like uh, Three Beer said, he's probably not going to win the block, but no. he's he's New Japan's strong champion. You're not going to be able to take that away from him. And at some point, he'll give it up, and you know he, he'll move along. He'll come back to AEW or whatever the case may be. But for me, as booked as a champion. This is about as strong as we get, you know, already kind of, you know, foreshadowing. He does beat uh, Tomaru Ishii in one of the best matches of the tournament. If I'm not mistaken, that puts him at six points. So, I mean, with three matches to go at six points, he could easily get to ten. If he gets to double digits, I mean, that's a good-ass tournament. That's a good tournament, no matter what it is. Uh, In terms of performance, though, uh, in terms of entertainment value, I would say that he's exactly where I thought he would be. Like, he can have some pretty fun, hard-hitting matches. He likes to chop. There are guys out there that just like to chop. And I think that this – I think being in the G1 is probably a dream for him. I don't, I don't think that anybody has any – I don't have any illusion. I, I, I think there's zero chance he's going to come out of the block, Agreed. first or second. Agreed. But, um, yeah, it's what I expected, which is fun. It doesn't really – I heard somebody say that it doesn't really play to his strengths. Like, he doesn't get to cut a promo on guys. And, like, that is – the backstage comments. If you look after the matches, they do a promo after every show. That saves you your grief. So stop complaining about New Japan doesn't do promos. I'm not. And, I'm not. I'm not complaining about New I'm Japan. I'm not saying it's you. Promos. I'm not saying it's you. Oh, you're I'm talking about everybody else. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, what's up with uh, anything else about this night? Evil versus David Finley uh, offended me. God damn! <laughs> like I. That's how much I hated it, dude. The fact was it was so the main event. At him. Yeah. I, I was so pissed at it. I think that was. It was already kind of like a. I don't want to use the word mediocre, but it it wasn't a G one kind of night. And then you got to this main event, and I was just like, "God, go fuck yourself!" Right now, this is the last fucking match I want to sit there and watch. And it was just as well, it was just a shit show of a match that I thought it was going to be. Just hard to sit through. I don't. I I like David Finley. I like the fact that he's booking him strong. But the fact that you, I knew what you were going to get, and then I got it. I was just like, oh my god, this is fucking horrible to watch. Just a shit cherry on top of a shitty ass cake. Uh, Zach, thoughts from you, or we can move on to seven, whatever you want. I'll be right back. Yeah, let's move on to the next night. Uh, night seven. Uh, that would be seven twenty-five on your calendar. Um, highlighted by Kaito Kiyomiya and Sonata. Uh, as the main event, and then Yoshihashi versus Okada in the semi. Uh, let's talk about the main event first. I don't know how in the hell they got it to where the three count was just seconds before the 20-minute time limit expired, but that was the highlight of, uh, I thought, one of the better matches of the tournament. Kaito Kiyomiya, I, I thought it was going to be booked strong as a two-time GHC heavyweight champion coming from Pro Wrestling Noah. He gave Sonata all he wanted. I thought maybe this was going to, I didn't even want to say maybe, I thought this was going to a draw. No two ways around it. Sonata pulls out the dub, stays undefeated in the A block. On the B block side, you have the other undefeated guy at this point, <clears throat> and Okada facing Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi, to me, is a guy that is like Goto. When it comes time to these tournaments, whether it's 
New Japan Cup or otherwise, he always seems to step up. And any points you take away from him will be earned points. Okada earned these two points here. I thought those were the two best matches of the night. Uh, Yodosuchi gets on the board, beating uh, Chase Owens. ELP gets on the board, being Tongaloa. Uh, Hikaleo, if I'm not mistaken, finally gets on the board at this point, being Ren Narita. Will Ospreay beats Great Okan in the opener. Um, the first time we saw the mist used from Great Okan since um, probably in February or March, feels right, since he was having that feud with Great Muda. And then Shota Umino beats Gabriel Kidd in another fist fight for the ages in and outside of the ring. Kenta. Uh, out fuckeries, well, I shouldn't say out fuckeries, he fuckeries and beats Tai Chi. To me, like I said, the two bad matches of the night. Number one, Sonata I thought was the match of the night, beating Kaito Kiyomiya and then Yoshihashi defeating Okada. Three beer, what you got? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sonata and Kiyomiya, uh, apparently, the New Japan normally does not gimmick their clocks at all. But uh, this one went 1958, but apparently it actually went 2001. Um, so they did do, like, right up to the finish. And normally Japan will just call it as it is, but it's like they weren't going to have their champion lose or draw. <laughs> like So the whole point was for him to win. So, yeah. I uh, thought the bell dramatic. rang late. I thought something kind of weird happened. Yeah. So they're both. It was a little uh, walkie for sure. They're both Keiji Mudo. Um, you know, uh, trained. So, like, it was kind of like protégés battling it out. Uh, I really liked the story, and this was, it was a great match. And, yeah, the finish was very dramatic. I think it was just, like, they got kind of tied up at the end. Uh, he and me was, like, kind of supposed to turn one way, turn another, and just kind of cocked a couple seconds. But, uh, yeah, Yoshihashi is a dark horse as far as just match quality, not as far as, like, a winner. But, you know, for fans, like, people that actually watch New Japan, like, you're not surprised that this – match with Okada was, was great. And you're also not surprised that Okada won, even though they had some dramatic near falls. Um, rest of the night, pretty ho-hum, except for I really enjoyed Osprey versus Great Okan because of the United Empire connection. Uh, probably Great Okan's best match um, so far, like I've seen him in. And uh, maybe that just makes me kind of a little bit of an Osprey mark, but uh, I really enjoyed this and was kind of surprised that they opened because uh, everything else in between that and then the main and the semi were kind of just there. Uh, I thought that, yeah, I'm right with Jason. I got Kiyomi and Sonata. I got a star next to it, which means that when I was watching, at least that's what I thought. I remember Okada Yoshihashi. I was looking forward to it a lot. It ended up being as good as I thought it was going to be, which was really good. Uh, those are my two favorite of the night. Um, you know, Ren tried his best with Hikaleu. Uh, I guess we can talk about Hikaleu when we get to night nine, but... Um, yeah, not much here. I was I was actually, you know, wins and losses matter and when Kenta beat Taichi, I was pissed. Yeah, I was a little uh, <laughs> I wanted him yeah. to, I wanted him to get have six points in the first three. I thought that would be fun, so or no, that would be eight points in the first Yeah, whatever. No, uh, I was gonna say he if I'm not mistaken, he lost the first he won the first two and lost the first, the next two. This would be the second of those right, two. So he lost to Okada. He'd have won he'd have been at six points right. at this point. So right. yeah. yeah, that another kind of like kick in the gut, especially when it's Kenta doing his usual fuckery coming off of the match that he had with Will Ospreay. It was just more so of just like, God bless America. This is just ugh. 
neither here nor there. Um, any other thoughts? Three beer on uh, night seven. Now let's keep it moving. Night eight, uh, that would be 726 yesterday. Um, two, three matches stand out. We talked about Eddie Kingston versus Tomiro Ishii. Uh, I thought David Finley versus Tamatanga in a never open weight title match was pretty solid. Uh, if you didn't see the first match, the end of the match had David Finley repeatedly powerbombing Tamatanga to get the victory. Tamatanga then stretched out post-match, so they re- called back to that to where David Finley was going to powerbomb Tamatanga, but this time around Tamatanga rolls through gets the roll up for the victory and then proceeds to get stomped on by David Finley and Gato. So obviously we're going to see more of that at some point down the line. Main event, Cobb versus ZSJ. Um, I, I said it last week. and I said it two weeks ago when we made the predictions that Jeff Cobb was the guy that I should have picked. And now I'm really starting to kick myself that I didn't pick this motherfucker. He was been laying in the weeds for quite some time, caught in this the I won't say caught in the ZSJ uh, world cha- world TV title uh, well, but he's been chasing Zack Saber Jr. Not a strong New Japan Cup, just kind of you know got it uh, tied together with Great Okan uh, when Aussie Open decided to leave and go to AEW. So Jeff Cobb has been. Ultimately, my point is he's been lying in the weeds all for a long, long time, and his big ass shouldn't be lying in no weeds and nobody sees him. So the fact that he's coming out and winning these matches at the top of the block with eight points shouldn't be a surprise. Jeff Cobb goes over ZSJ, and I thought of a in fairly dominant fashion. I thought that was my match of the night. So like I said, the three matches I thought stood out, Ishii, uh, the Kingston, Tama, and David Finley, and then the third match, the main event, Jeff Cobb versus ESJ. Zach, what you think? I don't, I, I want to. I don't. I know. I don't want to be like uh, know your role, uh, and I don't know my own role. But uh, you always have to go last in these. Like, uh, well, what do you think, Bill? Let's want to hear what you. I'll go last. Oh, you want to hear what I thought about night eight? I thought, yeah, that, not that I'm like expecting anything. I just like just give you the opportunity to like, you know. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you very much. Uh, night eight to me was the best night of the tournament thus far in terms of entertainment value. I count four, found count them four really good matches. I fucking love Zack Saber Jr. versus Jeff Cobb. Um, I loved Shane Haste versus Naito. I loved Kingston versus Ishii, and I fucking loved. Mikey Nichols against Shingo. Yeah, that was a good match. Like, I fucking loved it. Yeah, that was really good. Um, that's four that I thought was really good. If you, man, if you ask me to pick what was my favorite one of the night, those are all four pretty even. I mean, I would probably say ZSJ and Cobb, but uh, great night of wrestling. What do yeah. you think, Zach? Shane Hayes, I, I said it on Twitter before I even knew what had happened. Totally underrated, you know, yada, 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 Ooh. you know, Nido feels like he should win, but this is the G1. Next thing you know, I'll look up and Shane Hayes is dumping my Nido on his back. I'm like, well, God damn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that match was fucking awesome. It was a good match. It was really good. And I, I loved that it surprised me. And uh, it also plays into that Nido being down at the beginning of the tournament. You're like, holy shit. Like, this motherfucker just lost the fucking Shane Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, Nido was clearly like. 
big brothering him at the beginning when they asked him to wear his hat and shit. He was like picking on. Yeah. Oh, it, Kevin Kelly uh, did a really good. Uh, well, brought up the fact that Naito was questioning the fact of whether why Shane Hayes was even in the G one. You know what did he had done at this point to deserve to be in the G one, and for the fact that Shane Hayes basically dunks Naito on the uh, the mat or whatever and gets the win. I thought that was you know the best. Touche moment of the, of the tournament, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So at that point, it was uh, I got to give Shade Hayes the credit. I, like I said, I like Shade Hayes to begin with. To me, Mikey Nichols was the person that really stood out between the two because I I really haven't been on the Mikey Nichols uh, train until he crossed paths with Shingo and him and Shingo just came out and just had a banger. So yeah, um, I don't have a problem with uh, any of the matches that. Uh, Bill just brought up. I thought um, minus Evil and Hanari, the curtain jerker is is probably the low point because now what are we doing with Hanari? I mean, the man you know tattooed his a tribe on his face, and you t- you doing this man like that? I'm just like, God damn, you know, it's fucking evil for Christ's sake. You know, evil if you if you forget, and I wouldn't mind if you did. He was a two uh, the double champion at one point, taking it off my boy. So that being said, it's not like he couldn't take this L against Hanari and couldn't come back from that shit. I get it. It's the house of torture, and that's what they're supposed to do. But God damn, he's man. He's driving out like he's in 3MB or Dude, something. Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like he replaces Heath yeah. Slater in 3MB, so they put back McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, <laughs> and fucking Hanari. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, you're good. Uh, my favorite match, uh, as I mentioned, was Ishii versus Kingston. Uh, I can watch these guys wrestle every single night. Um, they're so good together. Like their styles mesh so well. Uh, Ishii is, uh, I don't know, maybe the best G1 wrestler of all time. It's, he's up there. Like I know statistically it's Tanahashi, like with wins and stuff. And he's had a ton of great matches, but like every, every night I'm like, Ooh, I can't wait whenever Ishii's on. It doesn't matter who he's wrestling. Since we started watching G1, Ishii has been the most consistent and the most healthy the entire time. Like, I, yeah, I was about to say, I can't not, remember Ishii being out for, like, injury or something like that. And God knows, it's either he's, you know, beating the shit out of each other, somebody, he's getting the shit beat out of him, or, you know, he meets somebody like ZSJ that's trying to, you know, take an arm with him on the way out the door. I mean, that's another cool thing about the G1 is, like, how often do we watch Ishii wrestle? Like, I don't watch him wa- wrestle all that often because he's not in these huge matches. But when the G1 comes around, it's like, okay, it's Ishii season. Right. You know? No doubt. No doubt. That was like, yeah, he hardly ever has less than, like, a four-star match. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. No, it's, it's – I don't want him to become enhancement talent for the G1, but I would be remiss if I said if he wasn't in – this tournament or next year's tournament, he wouldn't be missed because he's just that guy, you know, when he comes on my screen, it's just like, oh, shit, you know, where's a cigarette? This he might is, get be a, he <laughs> is a really good. He is really a character, though, just like by the way that he looks. He's like Edward, or he's like uh, the guy that played Machete, Danny Trejo. <laughs> it's like he yeah. just he just looks the part. You know what I mean? Hey, man, yes, I couldn't even come up with a better you know comparison if I wanted to. He looks like if you caught that motherfucker on the street, be like, man, I could take 
No, no, I don't no. think I can take him anymore. I'm crossing <laughs> to the other side, dude. Uh, sorry, sir. I apologize. Please take my wallet. Um, Love him. I'd be holding on to, like, his calves during a hurricane. Just the wind would be blowing, and I'd be horizontal. And he'd just be standing there. They're um, called, I think they're called typhoons over there, right? Indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, Zach Saber, Jeff Cobb, uh, fantastic match as expected, but unexpectedly, at least on my end, uh, Cobb won. I thought Zach was going to go. I had predicted that he was going to go undefeated the whole tournament, at least. I thought. I the, thought about you. Yeah, you're like, ah, he's disappointed, and I was, but it was still a great match. Um, and then uh, other thing was, I just got to give props to Chris Charlton uh, because I don't know how many times. He's had his dick sucked in his life, but it's not enough. Uh, there's going to be some dirty chick out there that'll just like take 1,100 blowjobs for the team because he deserves them. Uh, <laughs> Tanahashi and Yano, like they they like do this thing at the beginning of the match where they just like squat down and like put their heads together. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then Chris Charles, and he's like, oh yeah, he's like, so uh, there's a, a manga from the 1980s. It's called like whatever. It's about these high school delinquents, and one of them's named. Hiroshi and one of them was named Toru, and they all smoked cigarettes outside of the school, and they're delinquent. And they always sat like that, like on their haunches. And I'm just like, this motherfucker like knows everything there is to know about anything ever. Uh, oh, I couldn't believe it. Just for the record, you know he's got a, a wife and kids. So I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm I, saying, I, is that true? What's that? What he said about the manga? I, I assume so. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it has to be. He said it like matter of factly, like it was. Just yeah. Like, it, a thing. It, and they were doing that when uh, they were in uh, World Tag League partners. When they would come out and be announced or whatever, they would both crouch down and, you know, they would get the picture taken like this was, you know, the 1980s all over again. It's <laughs> That's what it least reminds me of for myself. I'm just Now I'm showing my age. But you get the point. So as far as I'm concerned, I thought it was true, and I'm keeping it. I'm going to, you know, keep it as such. I mean, the man said it. He's Chris Charlton. So as far as I'm concerned, that's the gospel. Crazy good night of wrestling. No doubt, no doubt. Any other thoughts on night eight, gentlemen? No. Nope. Damn, you! I was hoping one you joke was going to talk. Okay, uh, this morning or this afternoon, depending on you watch it. For me, it was this afternoon. Um, night nine. Uh, obviously, the main event has to stand out. Uh, I'll come back to that in thirty seconds. Um, <laughs> Gabriel Kidd and Kaito Kiyomiya is one of the matches I wanted to talk about. Um, and I know that people, are, for for whatever reason, are down on War Dogs or whatever the case may be, David Finley specifically. I think Gabriel Kidd has been the one guy that's not named Tell David. That's not named David Finley that has been a standout, just heat fucking magnet. I mean, he's jumping Shota Uno in the the backstage he caught Kaido Kiyomiya in the runway I mean basically what this is saying is you are not safe when you come out from this point moving forward whether it's Coughlin um, Gabriel Kidd or the combination of them your ass better have your head on a fucking swivel because they will come out and beat the dog shit out you throw you into the stands I mean this was the match where I was just like what the fuck they were just like you know what 
fuck these two points. I'm whooping these, this motherfucker's ass. They took a double count out. It was a double count out. It counts as a draw, so both guys get a point. But to me, it wasn't even about Kaido Kiyomiya. I've seen him enough to where I got a good handle on him. To me, this was more so about Gabriel Kidd, just this war dog mantra they have going on. I know David Finley's the leader, but to me, Gabriel Kidd has got the flag and running with it. He has stood out more than anybody else. It's not knock against any of the guys that are in this, but Gabriel Kidd, to me, has constantly come out and set a tone and had matches after that and getting heat on him as well. From that point, um, Kenta ELP I thought was good, not great. Sonata Renria, good, not great. And then, obviously, the main event stands out as the now my new match of the tournament. Um, Will Ospreay not being able to beat Okada clean was basically the story coming in. Now you add the fact that you have a 20-minute time limit to where he has to do it. It seems like the impossible task, but this might be the time of Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay gets it done, goes to eight points. Now he's in a situation where he has a tiebreaker over Okada, but he has he's lost, losing the tiebreaker over Taichi. Something to think about moving forward. Um, to me, this was a really good way to end the show, obviously. We're about halfway through the uh, the G1. A lot of good uh, stories going in the second half. But to me, like I said, the, the match of the night and the tournament so far, obviously, Osprey and Okada. But I had to at least come over to the Kaioki and Mia-Gabriel Kidd match because that joker, it, Gabriel Kidd's had some wild matches. This was the wildest of the bunch, and that says something. Zach. Yeah, the main event was great. Yeah, besides the story of Osprey never being able to beat Okada clean, I'm pretty sure every match that Okada had been in in this G1, uh, his opponent had, like, hit their finisher and he kicked out of it. And so, like, it was like nobody can beat Okada. It was, like, on their best day even. It's like I did everything and I hit him with my finisher and I still can't beat him. Uh, really great storytelling. They got a lot into that 20 minutes or 18 minutes. Uh Really good, but um, yeah, what was the uh, oh, yeah, the game kid uh, TMA match? I was just like, god damn, like, uh, I didn't think that would go so hard, but it really did. And game kid, pretty much every match, you know, his is the variety match where he starts the shit outside, and uh, they've been doing that with like Kenta, you know, like uh, Kenta beat the shit out of Phantasmo, and then they they started the match like he was like almost knocked out, it was like kind of like weird and gimmicky. Um, 19 second match, right? Uh, with an inside cradle where he like reversed it, but um, you know, there's some variety there, but uh, yeah, um, this this match this night was saved by that 20 minute draw, which was or not 20 minutes, it was a count out draw, so it could have been shorter, but uh, they were outside the ring for a long time, so it was probably about 20 minutes, double count then, out, um, yeah, double count out, but uh, yeah, uh, really good. Um, expected Rinda Rita. And Sonata to be good, and it was it was pretty good, uh, but nothing really jumped out at me about that match. Yeah, I really liked Renarita and Sonata, um, but it didn't stand out. Uh, I'll talk about the main event here in a second. Uh, the Gabriel Kid Kiyomiya match—that's what I got my star next to. Okay, the main event, obviously, you got Osprey and Okada, but man, that was one of those great moments where it's Gabriel Kid versus Kiyomiya. You're like, okay, you know. You're settling in for 11, 12, 13 minutes, and you think it's going to be okay. And then it just, like, then they start, like, really hitting each other, and it's like, wait a minute. It's like, oh, these guys, <laughs> they 
they did a great job to where like when the count out happened, it like it was like they were both at the peak of their anger. It's like it built up perfectly to where like it climaxed with the the bell ringing for a double count out, and then you're like, oh, these guys are still fucking going at it. Like they don't do that in New Japan. And this pull apart would to felt to felt to me totally justified because you yeah. see it a lot. You saw it on AEW this week, and it's they just kind of like, okay, so you know what? Off at each other. Right. That's why I was just like, damn. <laughs> okay. Really, really enjoyed it. I was way into it at the end. You know where you're at the end, and you're like rooting for a count out. You're like, oh yeah, I want this to happen. That would be cool. Um, okay, so I don't want to. This is really, really nitpicky. Osprey Okada, you come in with. Big-time expectations. This was the first time I felt the 20 minutes, obviously, because if you're going to have those two, it's going to go 35. I think they said that in their last three matches, it's gone over 35 each time. You're expecting it. I think that it strains the credulity of kayfabe that Will Ospreay was able to beat Okada in less than 20 minutes. It was not even like... The match started off real quick. Like, if it would have been like Osprey's, like, I got to cram 35 minutes into 20 minutes, so I'm going to just go quick. Like, even if they just, neither one of them sold, they were just trying to beat the shit out of each other nonstop for 20 minutes, then maybe. I think this should have ended it in the draw. Go ahead, Three Beer. I'll, I'll let you go. I'll respond before I t- uh, throw my two cents in. I actually fully expected a draw because of that same fact, right? Like, every match they've had has been epic. I mean, they were in the final last year, like, Osprey, uh, maybe it was Wrestle Kingdom where they, they did the backflip off the fucking uh, like, lighting rig, you know, but like, every, it's been like, big match, big match, and this didn't have that big match feel because of the, the 20 minutes, so I fully expected them to not even really get into third gear, just kind of like, get they like start to get going, and then the fucking time would just run out and be kind of anticlimactic. That was what I was expecting, but it, yeah, that didn't happen. So it surprised me. I expected this match, the match that I got. Um, Kevin Kelly said it that this felt like a, a G one, not even a G one, but a Okada Osprey match and fast forward, and that's what it felt like. The first ten minutes felt like the usual feeling out process from that ten minute mark to the the end. That was fast forward. To me, the match turned on the ripcord short elbow that ends up setting the stonebreaker up for the finish. Everything else was what we've seen before except for that one. The odds cutter on the apron. Okay, that too. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah, that. that was new. That was wild. Okay. but to, I loved it. Like, Okada put on the money clip in, the, in like 16th, in the 16th minute. I'm like, what the uh, dude, I was so I pissed. I was like, man, I, that's what I was like. Fuck this shit. Go ahead and beat this motherfucker, that's, Will. That's like the type of shit that Randy Orton does at a house show in Des Moines. And fucking <laughs> Okada, he has to know everybody hates the money clip, right? I don't think he gives a fuck. One, but two. That's even funnier. That is it, troll shit. It's it's even funnier because he he knows that I hate it and you know we have this conversation all the time. I ask him why does he do it. He just you know he's like fuck you because I'm the IWGP greatest and the champion in the world, so I do this shit. Anyway, I just I don't get the, the money clip because in kayfabe style, it just doesn't really work. I mean, this was like the one of the few times where I was just like, wait a minute, you know, Will Ospreay's going down to the money clip. This ain't supposed to happen. I'll tell you what, it looks like a nice stretch. 
<laughs> I don't know, I man. Was, I wish somebody would put me in the money clip each morning. Just yeah, to just kind of like wake get, me up. Yeah, get my arm stretched, ready to go. Um, I thought this match was on point, and like I said, to me, the twist of it was that short elbow that basically changed the tie of the match. No different than when Tai Chi kicked Will Ospreay in the the head or whatever. Will Ospreay was whomping Tai Chi's monkey ass into that kick in the head, and that whole kick changed the game. Same thing to me with uh, Ospreay and Okada. Um. So, anything else that stood out from you from this night? I expected. I, I guess I came into Yoshihashi Taichi maybe expecting a little bit too much. It was. Uh, it was okay. Uh, I liked ELP getting the win over Kenta because I like ELP. I like this new character. Um, okay, so if you had to say right now, who is having the best tournament? And I'll say that you're not allowed to say. I think everybody would agree that it's it's Bill Osprey, right? I mean, he's the one that gets the most yeah. out of everybody. He's having the most consistently high level matches. So besides him, I guess who's standing out to you the most? Uh, not even talking just wins and losses. Uh, Ari gave gave Kim his flowers. Shota Umino, go uh, to Suji. Um, obviously Okada, Tai Chi's had a good run. Eddie Kingston's been entertaining, at least for me. Um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Well, Jeff you just Cobb. Named a lot. I mean, there's, it, there's only about 25 more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody's kind of really the only people that really, I guess, better choice words. The people that I don't look forward to seeing right now. Yeah, Kenta, Hikaleu, Um That's really about it. Shingo's been disappointing, but I'm a Shingo mark, so I mean that's that goes to the wins and losses thing. He's been having good matches. All right, let me evil, let, the same way. Let me narrow this down a little bit more for Zach. Zach, who do you think is having the best tournament out of these eight guys? Okay, the War Dogs, TMDK without Zach, the Three Musketeers, and Kiyomiya. Mm. Uh, well, I mean Kiyomiya is really showing himself. And he's showing himself to a wider audience, which is great because it's kind of my introduction to him outside of I didn't watch like his match with Okada and like that kind of stuff um, leading up to it because I heard about his big news. But uh, I think he's really showing himself well. And uh, I was actually going to mention Mikey Nichols because even though like, I've seen him and I've seen him in like a tag setting, uh, I'm not saying it's my favorite stuff, uh, but. He's really standing out uh, with, like, because I don't love the thick headbutts. Like, I see those guys do that. He's busted himself open with headbutts twice mm-hmm. so far, like, hard way. And I just appreciate what these guys give uh, for my entertainment. And I'm just like, you don't got to do that. But he feels like he has to do that, right? And uh, But he's, he's standing out uh, quite a bit. Uh, those And Shane Hayes in a similar regard, uh, especially with the win over Naito, like, they're standing out to me, and if you would have told me, like, in the beginning, like, because uh, they don't, there's not a lot of outsiders in this tournament, and there's 32 guys, so I'm like, well, you could have got rid of TNDK, you could have got rid of, like, Tongaloa, uh, Tickleway, or, like, you know, there's, like, six, seven guys I, I felt like you could have got rid of in the beginning of the tournament, but, um, you know, they're proving themselves, at least. 
Okay, I asked you guys to name me a wrestler, and you guys both named me a whole bunch of wrestlers. So I'm going to even narrow this down even more so for myself. The person who's staying out the most for me is Kiyomiya, and I think that Mikey Nichols is number two. I think that Kiyomiya is – every single match that he's had has been really good, and I know that we're saying that – I know we think that Gabriel Kidd, his character is so badass, and it is, but you got to – I mean, that Kiyomiya – Kiyomiya, uh, our Gabe Kid match, to me, is one of the, one of those matches that's going to stand out for years. I'm going to be like, man, that was just fun when it, it was like, those guys really fucking hated each other. It's like you never thought of them as even paired up before. And then you're like, oh, man, these guys fucking hate each other. Run this shit back. And Mikey Nichols. Mikey Nichols was cool shit. Um, so that's going to That's do- pretty much. Those are the first two guys I mentioned. I think we're in agreement. Yeah, good. Um, so... That's uh, that was five nights of G one. We gotta get, we gotta keep it moving. Let's get to that two count. One, two, three. Two beer. What's the two count? Uh, two count. Uh, we did have. Uh, we'll just you know some talk some general AE dub stuff, but uh, you know there's a lot of skippable stuff in AEW. I feel like we kind of got done with the blood and guts, and like we're kind of like building some stuff up or. We're gearing up for the next pay-per-view, but um, Rampage had a very fun uh, battle royal to open it up. Um, I kind of had it on the background, but there was it, it seemed real good. A lot of a lot of storytelling as far as like eliminations and stuff leading up to um, some of the stuff that eventually happened. I actually watched it after I watched the rest of the week of AEW. I was like, oh, I, they did a good job with this. Uh, with this rampage battle royal, it seems, but uh, Darby Allen won, which means he gets a future um, TNT or TBS TBS title shot. <laughs> no, TNT TNT. 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 <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty fun. I actually kind of wish it was a TBS. Uh, Aaron was working Friday night, so I was actually watching this live, and I was pretty entertained by it. You know, it took me a while to figure out what the hell was going on with both rings and then it's like oh, okay i think i kind of understand like every other one goes to the opposite ring and then they can't get they can't cross over There's no like- somebody crossed over before it was like the last two and i can't it was towards the end i was like well, what the fuck how is he going over to the other ring that's not making any sense i don't want to jump ahead too far but this darby swerve ar fox thing uh is pretty fun it's a pretty good feud. I, I, I'm into it. Uh, what else, Zach? All right, so uh, we can just move on to Saturday. Saturday opened up super weird, and I don't want to talk about it because it was good. I just want to talk about it because it was fucking weird. I just kind of wonder what you guys think. But Ricky Starks started, you know, with a promo showing off like a Louis Vuitton bag, and then uh, CM Punk comes out to confront him, obviously, because he had cheated to beat him in the tournament the last week. Uh, but then, um, like, Christian Cage and Luchasaurus come out, and then it starts to get good because Christian Cage is so good, and he's basically talking about the title that Punk has in a bag, and he's like, I just got a question for you. Uh, what kind of man carries around a title that he didn't win while he has <laughs> Dude, I fell the, the fuck out. I'm like, man, this motherfucker, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, very good. Money. Then, money, uh, Christian. That is money, Christian, oh. dude. So good. He's fantastic. He should be on TV more. Uh, but and then Darby Allen comes out and like so this is just kind of like a fucking mess. And then it was also a mess because like the crowd. So this is like still New Jersey, 
we'll talk about the ROH show in a little bit, but like the crowd for the ROH show was awesome. And then this collision show was like pretty weird because like people are kind of booing CM Punk, but then like Darby comes out and he's like kind of he's like, ah, oh, my, my good buddy CM Punk. And people almost like kind of boo. They're like, what the fuck would you be friends with this guy? Like, we like you, but like, I don't know. It was all kind of weird, but it set up this tag match for the, for the main event. Um, but all of this just seemed kind of forced. Um, I don't know. I didn't love it. Seemed a little forced. I think the reason I'm so into Darby now is because I feel like Darby's gotten so much more comfortable. Like, now he kind of seems like a little shit, you know? Like, he's way (laughs) cockier than he used to be. And it just seems to fit him a lot better rather than being dark and brooding. I don't know. I like him. I thought that him putting his arm around CM Punk and saying, my buddy CM Punk, is because their plan was for them to tag and they probably didn't expect the reaction that they got to be that anti-CM Punk. And Darby was like, well, fuck it. I'll come out here and I'll sell it as hard as I can, you know. Or, like, almost like as a little wink to the audience. It's like, I know you guys don't like him, but yeah. don't forget, we're baby faces. Right. You know, something like that. So, I thought that uh, I, I'm I'm a Darby fan now. Uh, he is. I'm totally around on him. I think that he's really cool as, like I said, kind of a fucking punk little cocky prick. I agree with you. The fact that he seems more comfortable, his character feels like he it's, you know, not, I won't say the conscious of AEW, but that just says the things that we're thinking at home. He says it in a way that a Darby Allen character would say it. I guess that's the best way I'm going to put it. To me, what the, I, I didn't, I guess what was forced, quote unquote, is this whole, the bag thing. Ricky Starks comes out with the bag, and it's obviously a wink-wink to CM Punk and what he has in his bag. And obviously, you know, it's his version of the – I wouldn't say obviously, but I would guess it's his version of the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, From that point, it's – you know, then Punk's coming out, and he gets in Ricky's face, and it's like, you know – don't be like MJF. You, you know, you want a shot at, at the, what's in the bag, just ask for it. So, I mean, that to me is the is the crux of everything. As great as Christian is, you know, zinging these one-liners, I'm still thinking about what are we going to do about this world championship that we keep alluding to, that we teased about, we teased it on Saturday night. So are we going to bring this Joker out? Is CM Punk? I mean, it, a CM Punk to me feels like the guy that would come out like he did in WWE and be like, "Look, motherfucker, I was the I'm the unbeaten champion. I lost. I didn't lose my uh, child because I got pinned. I got you know stripped of it because I got hurt. That's the guy I'll keep waiting for. And now he's not doing that. That to me is the forced part about it. If we're going to do a brand split, then let's just do it and be done with it. There's plenty of guys on Collision that can be chasing after CM Punk or whatever their chop champion one's going to be. If we're going to do unification, let's kind of start moving towards that too. To me, I don't care. I'm just I'm at the point where now this whole bag thing is the forced part of it. It's either let's do it or don't acknowledge it or not. Otherwise, to me, it's just like you know you're just it's like nah, 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 I got this in the bag, and you, and it's it's just being childish. Let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, what else? Hey, uh, oh, go ahead. All this kind of made me think that with that, now my brain wheels are turning, and I'm like, oh. 
I'm like, MJF is going to beat Cole in all in, and then they're going to have Punk versus MJF for the unification of these so-called titles uh, because seeing Punk never lost. And then that's where we think we're going to get the turn with Cole and MJF. We're actually going to get a double turn, CM Punk, MJF. And uh, we're going to try the CM Punk thing for a third time, and then he's going to blow a fucking quad. Jesus Christ, dude. Is he part McMahon? (laughs) (laughs) I I see Timothy Timothy McBay. Wait, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta go help this but, Jesus um, guy out. <laughs> I can totally see. <laughs> I can totally see Punk uh, winning the belt in Chicago. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, but I don't know. Yeah, it seems like exactly what they did with him in WWE when he wanted Money in the Bank and left, and he came back two weeks later with cult of personality. And then he was like, "This is so, the real belt," and Cena's like, "No, this is the real belt." That's I never like two belts. I, I never like it. Yep. So we're just for the record, are we pro or kind a possible AEW brand split? I don't want a brand split. I mean, to I don't me, want a brand split in either promotion. I mean, to me, it's whatever. I mean, both shows have been really fucking good. Like, so just keep making stuff that I want to watch and whatever. In fact, I probably would never even think about it if I didn't already, if I wasn't already thinking about it. If CM Punk, let's just go like this. If CM Punk is named the champion for Collision. Oh, I think that's dumb. I don't want to. They should just have Taz, they should just have Taz make up a belt for him. That's they great. Should, uh, CM Punk should have the, uh, the FTF title. It's called Fuck the Fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say he don't hate all of us. Just the ones that don't like him. All right, what's yeah, next? But uh, I don't, I don't want to brand split ever. I want the best people on the show, the ones that are going to entertain me. I want the stars. Um, I don't care. Like the other people can find time, cut their chops elsewhere. I want to see stardom, baby. I only got so much time in my life. Um, anyway. Uh, there was a trio title match. Um, not much to speak about the match, but it was House of Black. Uh, they beat uh, the acclaimed with Billy Gunn. But the big thing is uh, that Billy put his boots in the ring afterwards. So um, I don't know. This was like supposed to be pretty emotional, and I'm just like, he still looks like he's like more in shape than like a lot of guys 30 years younger than than him on the roster. But I'm like, yeah, maybe it is time to hang the boots up. Like, I've been watching you wrestle my entire fucking life, dude. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not making me sad. <laughs> Damn, Jesus. I mean, his, his gimmick. I don't necessarily enjoy watching him wrestle. I, I like him out there doing the scissoring thing. But does he have to be wrestling that? Like, it's like, go ahead. Oh wait, sorry, I was distracted for a second. What were we talking about? Uh, Billy Gunn leaving his boots in the ring. Oh well, it's an angle. Clearly, I mean, what what are they doing with the angle? I don't like angles like I don't like angles like this. Like you're really not supposed to. I don't know why I'm such a purist about these things. It's like if you take your boots off in the ring, it's like you need to stay retired. Like did Shawn Michaels do that? I don't think so. And then he came back. Did Shawn Michaels take his boots off? No. The only guy that I ever remember doing it on camera is Undertaker. When he lost to Roman Reigns at Cody WrestleMania. Did. Cody took off his boots? 
Maybe it was Dustin. I'll tell you what. I guess I've never really pictured Billy Gunn without big old wrestling boots on. But goddamn, he's just wearing fucking tights. <laughs> you put him in heels, he looks like that tall blonde from Ted Lasso. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dude, you're horrible. I'll just say this. To me, the bigger <laughs> he's stupid as fuck. To me, the biggest story is is the acclaimed, or you know what's not happening with the acclaimed. I I I just want them to chase FTR. I mean, I, I think you know it, FTR had a promo. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But even before FTR came out, that's all I really want. I mean, I'm you know I just want a, a, the tag team match that's going to be entertaining, and that's a match we hadn't seen in a while. FTR has kind of been doing their thing. Acclaimed and Billy's kind of chasing after the House of Black, trying to get Billy this last title run, which you know it is what it is. Maybe they'll end up going back to that. I just, like I said, to me, I'm simple. I just want to see FTR acclaimed too, period. Well, FTR did come out next. And um, again, with the crowd, like, the crowd was not super into this. They were uh, really kind of just, you could tell. And actually, you know, Dax had, had problems with his promo because the crowd just, like, wasn't super into it. And I wasn't super into it either. Uh, but essentially, you know, they're setting up the match with MJF and Cole, um, which I'm very much into that angle, and I'm very much into this match. It's going to happen this Saturday. But um, this promo was, uh, you know, it's one of those things sometimes you go out, like the crowd is just not behind you, even though you are uh, the big baby face champion. It's kind of kind of weird. Uh, we were at Aaron's mom's house the other day. Uh, Saturday, and she's got a Roku. So me and Steve were sitting there, and all the fucking girls were doing shit. And it's like me and Steve were like, "Man, let's just turn on Collision. Like I'll download my, I'll put I'll in my password and shit." You know? <laughs> so Aaron's mom walks in, and me and Steve were sitting there watching. She goes, "I cannot understand why any educated grown man would find this entertaining," and just walked right out. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Sorry, Debbie. This shit rules. <laughs> that was quick. I thought it would be more yeah. of a lashing. Such a fucking drip. But um, uh, anyway, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to Action Andretti and Darius Martin versus Bullet Club Gold. Really fun match. Had no reason to be. And maybe it's because I was stuck at my mother-in-law's and I was really paying attention. But, man, I thought this match was pretty fucking good. Man. Agreed. Oh yeah, no, it was it was good. I just kind of skipped over it for relevance time purposes, but yeah, you're sure. right. Uh, and then something else we can kind of like skip over, like you know, Ricky Starks, uh, Christian Cage, just you see him punch Shelby on. I mean, this was fun. Went pretty long. I love the Christian Cage. It's just like, nah, I'm not like really getting in the ring. Uh, <laughs> and um, Ricky Starks cheated to win. That was like the big, uh, you know, did it for the second second week in a row. But um, yeah, overall, um, this was um, probably the most missable collision so far, which is fine. You know, they're setting up other stuff, and they're in between other stuff. But um, I wasn't like, oh, shit, like, I'm so glad that I spent the two of, like, the 20-something hours that I'm wrestling that I watched this fucking week because of the G1. I probably wouldn't be so down on it if it wasn't for the G1. Like, it is very hard to keep up with this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. 
very hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know if you guys have anything to say before we move on to Dynamite. No. No, um, I just – I said it last week. The only thing I want to say is um, I want to see they have to reinforce whatever word you want to use – Ricky Starks win as the on the hard cup winner. You just can't have him going back to obscurity again. This is a good start, but we got to keep that momentum going. I don't care if he's got to cheat the next 16 weeks in a row to get him a title shot, whatever it takes to, you know, get heat on him. The fact that he's going against Punk is working a little bit, but at some point they're going to get away from him, and that's the true litmus test with that heat from CM Punk transfer over to Ricky where he moves on to his next feud. Yeah. Uh, Dynamite was a pretty good show. Opened with uh, Orange Cassidy uh, defeating AR Fox. Uh, they had a really good curtain jerker. AR Fox did a lot of fun shit, which he normally does. But uh, Orange Cassidy also just phenomenal. Uh, but the main story here is after the match, uh, AR Fox breaks Cassidy's glasses and gives him a big clothesline. Uh, and Darby Allen comes out super pissed because. Right before this, they basically introduced this match with a uh, a pretty tender vignette from Darby Allen, which seems to be the way that Dynamite's have been opening lately. It's like, here's Darby Allen, beloved AEW pillar, talking about whoever we're trying to get over this week and <laughs> like why you should like them. Did it with Nick Wayne for two weeks. Uh, did it with Air Fox this week. Uh, it's working. It's very good. I actually like this this change. Um, it's like, give me a little bit of story, right? And uh, AR Fox seems like a person, uh, like a complicated individual instead of just someone who does like inverted 450s and shit. Uh, but uh, a fun match. Uh, we got a heel turn out of it. And now AR Fox is an actual character on the show instead of just uh, a guy who loses matches that are, are fun to watch. Big fan of this angle. Um like Zach said, just give me a little bit of story. Oh, these guys know each other from way back, and they're friends, and Darby just got him the match versus Orange Cassidy. That makes so much sense because Darby and Orange Cassidy are kayfabe friends. So it makes sense that he would ask him. It makes sense that Orange Cassidy's character would say sure, you know, because he's a sure to everything. It makes sense that A.R. Fox uh, just let his temper get away from him, and it makes sense that Darby got pissed off at him. What was cool about what really stuck out to me in this segment, besides all of that, was afterwards when Moxley comes out and attacks Orange Cassidy as kind of revenge for what happened to Death Before Dishonor, which we haven't talked about yet. This is huge for Orange Cassidy. John Moxley, getting in a feud with John Moxley, if that's what they're doing, is real big for Orange Cassidy. And it, I don't know. It's, I haven't processed it yet. What do you think, Jason? Um, I'll just start with the Moxley Orange Cassidy thing first. It was it was a surprise to see uh, Moxley just come out and attack Orange Cassidy. That's a signal where now Orange Cassidy has kind of you know gone to this upper echelon of stars. We, you know, you have to start looking at him as such. Forget the kayfabe stuff, okay? Orange Cassidy is over with fans everywhere he fucking goes, everywhere. You cross paths with Moxley at this point. That to me is a signal that TK has something more for, more so um, 
Orange Cassidy than anybody else. We'll see what happens if it ends up coming out as a one-on-one match. That, to me, is the more intriguing match. BCC versus Best Friends, Orange Cassidy is cool, but ultimately the end game, I would hope to think, would be Cassidy versus Moxley. Outside of that, I mean... The match was good. You kind of, Bill just kind of covered everything that I thought. I just looked at it from the AR Fox point of view, like, why is he mad? Well, shit, motherfucker, I just slept. I let you sleep in my house for free. And you and you going to get mad at me because I had lost my temper for a little bit. Okay, you know what? I got something for you, too. So, to me, it was perfect. Three Beers said it. It gives AR Fox a character now. So, either you like him or you don't. Versus him, like you, like you said, having these great matches and coming out with L's. So now you have at least more of a a rooting interest for Mogul Embassy slash AR Fox, either pro or con. Yeah, it's funny because um, you mentioned that stuff with Orange Cassidy and with Moxley coming out, basically TK is telling us that Orange Cassidy is a main eventer because John Moxley is um, the most beloved AEW, he's not AEW homegrown, right? But he is like the most beloved AEW like person. Even though he's a heel, everybody loves John Moxley. He never fucking loses. He really gave AEW a shot in the arm when he showed up at that that first time. Like double it, nothing. it was double like nothing yeah, it was like Jericho was a great like foundation. And then, okay, so then you get people kind of interested, and then all of a sudden Dean Ambrose is there, and Dean Ambrose is going against Kenny Omega in death matches. I mean, it it really gave AEW a, uh, a more legitimacy when it happened. And he's not AEO, AEW homegrown, but, like, AEW is, like, part of him. He grew it. Yeah, he really did. Yeah, I was going to say it is what it is in part of Moxley's – you know, coming over and and make, making these matches feel more important, bringing his fans over, I mean, whatever the case may be. In a lot of ways, he's the most important wrestler there. Might not be the best right now. I I would totally agree with that. If they lost Moxley, that would be a bigger issue. Cody was an issue because Cody was Moxley. their day one guy. Moxley's a bigger deal than Cody right now. Hell yeah, yeah, way bigger. I mean, Moxley is. Um, I think history will look incredibly kind on John Moxley. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, basically, uh, I just want uh, AR Fox to like cut a promo on on Darby and be like, Darby, remember when I used to let you sleep on the couch and beg a bitch to let you sleep in the house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well played, yeah. my brother. Well played. All together, this was uh, that's probably the greatest fucking. Uh, just a long time. Anyway, um, this is a good opening opening segment, opening angle. Lot lot packed in, uh, lot lot to unpack. But um, I'm only going to mention this because it was so goddamn funny, and it's like the evolution of the storyline. But Renee could cut backstage with Jericho and Callus, and Callus has a fucking oil painting of them from the from the '90s, and um, they're going to wrestle, not them, but Takashi and Jericho are going to wrestle Tommy Guevara and Liam Garcia. Look at this there, yeah, Chris, this. standing there like the gods we were. God damn. This motherfucker is horrid. That killed me, man. That killed me. Standing there like the He's gods amazing. we were. Right. So good. <laughs> um, 
Claudio was doing a uh, promo backstage. Uh, we had a hook vignette. It's fine. Uh, but Claudio's backstage cut a promo, and then John Moxley cut, just literally cuts him, just cuts an even harder promo, setting up their uh, their triple tag match tonight. Um, Jack Perry comes out to talk about Hook, and he's getting good booze. You know, he's, he's got good heat. Not Dominic Heat, but he's getting good heat. And then uh, Jerry Lynn comes out, and I guess they're going to do a Jerry Lynn, Jack Perry angle. That's the only thing that confused me. I mean, you talk about, like, the efficacy of, like, the promo. I think Jack Perry is, like, doing a good job and stuff, like, as a heel. But um, I don't know, like, Jerry Lynn going to have a match? Uh, Jerry Lynn, I, I just expected Jack Perry to lay him out. And then somebody to come out and like save Jerry Lynn, and then they would have a match. Maybe that's what we'll get next week. But this this is just kind of weird. Super weird to see Jerry Lynn on television uh, in an angle. It's like what? That's WCW vibes, man. I was gonna go ECW vibes, honestly, because we're talking the FTW title. I'm just talking about like the guy that's. I'm not interested in seeing Jerry Lynn. I'm not interested in seeing a Jerry Lynn angle. I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just, you know, to me, it, it was what it was. I mean, I, I agree with you, Beer. I was waiting for uh, Jack to just be like, you know what, fuck you, old man. You know, take this two-piece and keep it moving. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, chicken shit heel is always good, too. Now, if you can execute it right, you'll be even better. Yeah. Who's going to uh, come out and save him? Tommy Dreamer with the pursuit? Nah, I was getting ready to say he does. <laughs> I don't think Impact would like that too much. <laughs> yeah, I wonder uh, who who could he feud with? Um, who's like a baby face that needs something to do? Um, you got me. There's so many guys. There's so many. I'm sure there's one of them. Um, Action Andretti. Yeah, that's that, that dude. You stole my thunder. That was the first word that's going to come out of my mouth. I would I'll, like to see him against like Roddy Strong, but I know Roddy Strong's got a neck brace on. So. <laughs> that motherfucker's been yeah. jacked up for a minute, man. Is, is he getting ready to get paid or what? I mean, fuck. He should have a lawyer next to him at this point. I mean, damn. <laughs> my client can't be getting this much stress. He's like doing the fucking Harvey Weinstein. No shit. Um, all right. Uh, Pack submitted Gravity. Uh, the I mean, like, Gravity, uh, and, we, we, you know, we talk about Death Before Dishonor, uh, but just, you know, he's the, he's the younger brother of Bandito, um, and a uh, very fun wrestler. I think this was just more about booking the match because Pac, at the beginning of his career, was booked as the man that Gravity forgot, and so they booked him against Gravity. Um, very funny. Uh, but it wasn't much of a match. A lot of it happened during commercial. Um, it was like a squash match. Which is just fine. Like, yeah, gravity's, like, just starting out. I, I just think they need to, like, they need to start differentiating between these mask guys or give some of them more time because otherwise they're going to get lost in the shuffle. If you put, okay, let me ask you this. If I put Bandito, Commander, uh, well, not Penta, but, uh, and, and uh, Gravity, in a line together. Didn't tell you which one was which. Would you know which one was which from their mask? Probably. From their mask, yeah. I'd know which one was which from their body size, too. Um, well, if I just showed yeah. you the mask, you guys would know? Probably. I'm, I'm going to get myself Oh, if you, like, bed. showed me a mask. Oh, you like, the mask itself. Yeah, that would be a little difficult. Um, yeah. Commander would be hard. Uh, I think Gravity is a little more, like, his hands out. Bandito, definitely, because it's got the, the thing in the front. Um, but... All right, I anyway. just I just think it's introducing 
another guy. It's like they have so many guys. But yeah, I think what I think also like just kind of like playing off of what you're saying. I think uh, it's less of a of an observational thing as like differentiating the people, but it's just that those guys fit the same role, right? Uh, they're all there to put on a good match and lose. Yeah. Good point, and the, so. the fact that Bandino is a part of that dis- disturbs me greatly. But another story for another time. What was next? I mean, before before now, it was before we got those guys. It was Phoenix doing doing that. He was out there just having great matches and losing all the time. So I agree. You get a little less of that. No, I agree. Um, all right, so uh, what do we have? Oh, and then we had like the dueling promos with um, MJF and Adam Cole and FTR. This is like back to back promo segments. Um, there's a pretty cute line about uh, MJF punching Dax, Dax like looking like Yosemite Sam, punching him so hard he had to spit out CM Punk's jockstrap. That was a pretty good line. Uh, but this furthers the um, storyline between Cole, uh, Roderick Strong, and MJF. It also uh, gave us a little glimpse because MJF said, um, you know, they, they tighten their friendship. And he basically said, win, lose, or draw. I'm going to give you a rematch of this AEW title, which, like, pretty much, like, solved the problem. I remember last week, I was like, man, I feel like they should win this so they can keep this thing going. If they have a pact beforehand that they're going to keep it going, even if they lose, right, then it keeps it going. So I like this. Unless one of them doesn't keep the pact. That's true. Uh, MJF just slaps his money on the table and says, I'm out. Yeah, right. I'd say leave Adam Cole to the uh, to FTR or whatever. I, I like both pro- promos. Uh, FTR's comeback, especially with, you know, Dax basically, uh, you know, even before, I would assume he's not even hearing what MJF has said. He's already cut his promos by, you know, you basically keep, you know, my wife and my daughter's name out your mouth. I was like, oh, shit. Do you know he just put his, the name in his mouth? So that was interesting. I just think the whole thing is the MJF Cole angle has gotten me into this match where now I'm invested. When the win, lose, or draw thing, I wish they wouldn't have done it, but. It is what it is. I think they could have extended it without having that, you know, the, that part added to it. But it does add a little tr- intrigue to it, so I get that part as well. I just expect this to be a really good match. Now, it, it reinforces that I think FTR ultimately wins the match. Now, from that point, how we get from point A to point B is the question. Yeah, I think FTR wins, but, man, I'm looking forward to this match. Yeah. FTR, they are clutch. Um, but they seem like humorless dorks in that fucking promo. Like, are they working heel? Jesus. After the fun, the ebullience of Adam Cole, baby, and MJF. I think they're going to be the heels regardless. You think they're going to work heel? Yes. I think I think they're going to have – I think that's what they're doing is they, they have to, right? Because there's no way that those other guys are getting booed. Nope. Even though FDR is beloved, they're going to have to at least be heel in this match. Like you always tell me, lean into it. Lean into it, and uh, they did. So if that's if that's what they're going for, that promo was perfect because <laughs> it really made me want. It made me want to see the match, and it made me want to see MJF and Adam Cole try a dance party in front of those dorks. Oh God, I hope that happens. Shit, let's get it on, motherfucker. Fuck it. They can't stop talking about it. They just keep talking about the dance party it, because that's. As true quote as quote unquote true tag team guys, that's something that they don't want. You know, they're old school. The dance party thing is 
very sports entertainment of them. I think they kind of alluded to that, and I think on the uh, the collision promo. So in that scenario, that was kind of the seeds to it. This put some water onto it. The match itself, I think they'll have no choice. Like three beers said, they'll have no choice. They'll have to work heel to make this match work. They try to work babyface. It's not going to happen. Whoever this, wherever this match is next Saturday night, uh, with this Saturday night, they're going to root for Cole and uh, MJF until something makes them do otherwise. Uh, we had uh, Britt Baker submitted Ty Valkyrie. Uh, this match didn't start out too good, but it ended up okay. Um, yeah, it was just kind of uh, as we've talked about pretty, pretty, pretty commonly. It was like the token women's match at that spot in the card. Uh, Britt Baker kind of needed the win. Um, honestly, you know she's she is Britt Baker, but you know she had a pretty early out in the Owen Hart tournament and. Uh, you know, they got to keep her, keep her hot. So, uh, yeah, this is fine. Nothing to write home about. What if they, uh, what if Britt Breaker goes with MJF? That'd be some mega heel shit. <laughs> Jesus oh, wow. Christ. Because she was acting yeah, like a heel. She's still a heel. Shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, he just fucking cucked, he just cucked the fuck out of Adam Cole. Oh, man. MJF okay. dropping like sex tapes. Okay, see, y'all motherfuckers. <laughs> that, at least that, like, at least like those old Val Venus ones, like where they get under the covers, right? Like you did with like Corey Ruddle. <laughs> oh, I was man, just getting ready to say, so y'all motherfuckers, that's the Vince McMahon of you two motherfuckers coming out right there. Then you said Val Venus. I was like, yep, there you go. Perfect. See, <laughs> come on. I, if it happens... I would be absolutely stunned. I just don't see it happening. Val Venus, okay. member of Right to Censor. Oh Lord, have mercy! <laughs> if, if there was, if there was one modern wrestler that cosplays Val Venus, though, it would one hundred percent be MJF. Yes. Say that again. Yeah. Like, if there was a modern wrestler that you could choose to like cast as Val Venus, I would one hundred percent pick MJF. Velveteen Dream. Okay, dude. See, you ain't shit, motherfucker. Come on. (laughs) Move along, three beer. Move along. Oh, shit. Uh, So there was a triple tag team match. All right. Lucha Brothers, uh, Blackpool Combat Club, consisting of Claudio and John Moxley, and the best friend. This thing was bonkers from the start. Uh, I thought that it was hilarious that they just were six guys wrestling outside the ring, and then all of a sudden, like, Moxley decides to go out and stand on the apron and then tag in after, like, 10 minutes. And uh, then they started a tag match, which they had to do, I guess, because then they had the storyline of Claudio getting the pin, but it was on the wrong guy. Um, no, Trent was pinning Claudio. Trent was pinning Claudio, but Moxley had gone out to fight um, Orange Cassidy, uh, but it didn't matter that Orange Cassidy was there and fighting Moxley because it was a triple threat, so there were no disqualifications. They made that point, but even the announcers were laughing. They had started doing tags after the crazy main event, but um, this is all like you know continuous story. It the only thing that is kind of confusing is um, you know we just had the tag team eliminator eliminator tournament that we have number one contenders for um, the the titles like coming up on Collision, but like this match just led to like a singles triple threat. Like, these guys, I feel like, should all kind of be in the mix for the AW title. So, like, maybe they're the number two contenders. Like, they're the ones who are going to wrestle uh, FTR and 
uh, like the winner would wrestle SCR or, um, you know, uh, uh, better than you, baby. So, um, yeah, uh, but I feel like right now we're just kind of getting started with booking for all in and all out. Uh, but they've got a lot to do in the next month because they've got two full pay-per-views and they're going to have to book some matches if I'm going to spend a hundred bucks on a week on AEW wrestling. Mm. You tell them three beer. All right. Anything else about AEW? Um, yeah, I, I agree with three beer on this with the, the triple threat singles match for next week was a weird booking. I, I'm assuming, like Three Beers said, this is going to be some sort of all-in, all-out match, one or the other. Uh, rumor has it Will Ospreay is going to be on the Wembley show going against Chris Jericho, so take that for what it's worth. But, yeah, this is the match itself was entertaining, just the – the post-match shenanigans and the schmazes and just Jesus Christ. Okay, you know, just they're we going, get it. They were going back to their roots. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, no, I did not say. I thought AEW was solid. I thought it was surprising. I mean, Orange Cassidy was whooping that ass yeah. outside the ring when they went off the air. Yes, I mean they were really making Orange Cassidy look fucking strong. Oh, okay, that there's your takeaway. If anything, that Orange Cassidy is now, I think, a true main event player, especially if I mean, he was knocking out Claudio and shit with right. orange punches. Right. If you're going to have him crossing paths you know, with these guys, then it's on. You know, just with the addition of him, even though he didn't necessarily need it, with the addition of AR Fox to the Mogul Embassy, like, I started actually thinking about the Mogul Embassy, and I was like, this is, like, a pretty strong faction. Like, Prince and I know kind of goofy, but, like, you know, he's been around a while doing this thing. But, like, those Samoan dudes, like, we saw, we'll talk about the ROH pay-per-view, I guess, uh, even briefly, but, like, Khan and Toy Leona, yeah. they're awesome. They were awesome in that Word Royal Rampage. Awesome. They, they were awesome in that Royal Rampage match, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this is, like, shaping up to be a really legit faction. Totally agree. Jokes, jokes on me, I guess, because I, I thought this motherfucker was going to go south. But now, all of a sudden, you, you have Brian Cage, Swerve. Swerve's the man. AR Fox. If if God forbid you know Big Bill falls in line, you know this is this is now. But you know it would be quietly one of my favorite factions, especially if they bounce. Yeah, from, it's like they're kind of leaning into the Big Bill Brian Cage tag team too. Yeah, they would be. That's a lot. That's some big meaty men. Dude. Okay, so yeah, in that scenario, it'll be at least fun to see what they can do with them because that would be what the pinnacle should have been, or any other fill in the blanks uh, faction that they could have had and they didn't do. All right, we could talk about this all night, but we got to keep it moving. Let's get to that three count. One, two, three. So we are going to talk about death before dishonor, but it's going to be right before our Great American Bash prediction. So, WWE proper. I want to say that since I watched SmackDown, I have watched 40 New Japan matches. I barely even remember this shit. But it started off with a four-way match to see who's going to fight Santos Escobar to see who's going to be the number one contender for Austin Theory's U.S. title at SummerSlam was between Mysterio, Sheamus, Cameron Grimes, and L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight cut a promo before the match. L.A. Knight is still fucking over, and they are still not giving the crowd what they want. L.A. Knight does not win. It is Ray versus Santos Escobar tomorrow night on Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, what do you think, Jason? Um... 
I get it. It's LWO versus LWO, kayfabe style. It makes total sense. Uh, you you got you know brother versus brother, so to speak. I'm not sure what we're doing with LA Knight anymore. If we're going to do anything at all, at least leading up to SummerSlam, maybe if Theory retains, depending on who the opponent is, maybe that's when they pull the trigger. But it's it's like you you said, and I can agree with it. You got to strike sometimes when the iron is hot, and LA Knight is hot. So. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to give up hope. I think he'll ultimately be the U.S. champion. It's just not when I want it to be. So, we'll, like I said, we'll see what happens. Zach? Yeah, I feel what you're saying. Um, I do at least appreciate there's little nuggets of kind of what they're doing where we are 100 – we can be 100% certain they recognize and that it is like – Maybe not in their plans right at the moment, but they're keeping him going. Even like he didn't necessarily lose, but he didn't like win, right? But um, you know, he gets to do like a promo, whereas everybody else is like just ring entrance, so they're already out there, right? Um, there's nuggets where they're like, okay, yeah, we get it. You really like this guy, mm-hmm. so um, I, 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 I agree. You got to strike when the iron's hot, but maybe they just have something bigger in store with them. Now, if this was a year ago, or maybe a little over a year ago, or years ago i'd be like i have no hope for la night zero zero but uh they've they're earning back some goodwill wwe is is earning back some goodwill i think i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and think that they've learned a few things over the years about trying as hard as you can to make one guy a red hot baby face going through wrestlemania season this year, it happened with Sami Zayn. It's happened with Kofi. It's happened with Daniel Bryan. I think that that's what they're trying to do, and I think they're trying. I think they have a plan for LA Knight from right now until WrestleMania, and I think they are playing it slow because they probably want him to win the Royal Rumble or something. He's the number one merch seller right now. Yeah, I mean he is fucking number massive. one merch seller. Wow, did not know that. <clears throat> Damn, that's wild. Okay, did not know that. That's especially because I can't imagine any of those shirts are very cool. No, they're not. No, I was no. going to say I would never uh, pop down a, a twenty, thirty dollars for an LA Knight shirt. And I'm a fan, so you know, call me what you want. Uh, the other thing that happened on this, uh, we don't have to go in. Charlotte Flair versus Leo Sky was good. Uh, Butch versus Dom. Dom goes over, and we had Roman and Jay and Solo and Paul Heyman. I'm telling you, like. This story's moving so slow, I don't really remember what happened. And if I haven't thought about it, nobody's talking about it, then nothing really happened, right? I mean, they said it's for the tribal chiefdom or whatever, and he put the lay that's, on the belt. That's the main thing. Is like he put the lay on the belt. So it was like now the stakes are even higher, even though nobody even though like nobody really expects Jay to win, but it does add extra drama, right? It raises the stakes. So. Jason? Um after they sealed the deal, whatever, <clears throat> excuse me, after they sealed the deal and, you know, they gave the bro hug and, you know, put the head on each other's head, the standout point to me was, you know, the the fact that Solo was stopped by Roman, by, to, uh, by the, uh, he was stopped by Roman from attacking Jay. So this tribal, you know, a match or whatever you want to call it, um, I would just wish they would have flushed that out more. Why did Roman stop Solo? It's a part of this whole 
storyline, but I don't think they did enough to say why Roman did it, okay? For those who just look at it just plain Jane, it looks like, you know, Roman is stopping Solo from doing what he's always supposed to do, what he's been asked to do always to this point. They just didn't do a good enough job of explaining that Solo can't touch Jay anymore at this point. You know, this is basically a gentleman's agreement until they actually get into the ring. From that point, you know, all bets are off. So at that point, I mean, to me, this is another chapter in the bloodline storyline. It was like a three beer set. It was cool. It, it it made its points. I just wish they did. This is me nitpicking now because this story has been so good. You just there needs to be just another layer added to this segment. Uh, I'm going to hit some of the bigger stuff on Raw because there wasn't a whole lot. Um, but Judgment Day, KO and Sammy are still running around each other. Um who are KO and Sammy going to face at SummerSlam? Zach. I think that maybe the plan was for them to face pretty deadly, but with that injury, um, I don't know. And maybe they don't even know right now. I, I assume, I don't know, it's a big show coming up. They probably know. But if I had to guess, it would have been them. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's tough. I mean, could it be Damian and Dom? I guess it could be, but I don't even know. I mean, who else Maybe is there? It's not going to be the Viking Raiders. It's not going to be Alpha Academy. If I may. Sir. I think that just because of what I think I read <clears throat> and what I think I know, I think this might be the time to give Sammy and KO the bye for SummerSlam. KO's been working with an injury for up to this point. That's the kind of reason why Sammy and Dom had this singles match this week. I think it's a rib, something along those lines. But in true, oh, yeah, he does have a broken rib, and he's been working on it. So okay, so they're probably they're probably just not going to wrestle. That's without. There's no a. There's no queer number one contender. Pretty deadly. I was going to say that was going to be my guess until um, Elton Prince got hurt. Now at this point. It's just kind of, you know, there's nobody else that's out there. There's a, a lot of storylines going, but nothing that is flushing somebody out as that team. So, for me, I think it's a perfect time for them to get the bye, get KO ready, and then set up. So they should now be thinking about who their the next opponent is because, as far as I'm concerned, you can give KO and Sammy this bye. There's plenty of other matches that can carry the load. I do like them floating around, Judgment Day, though, because I like the idea of gold and – I think, I really think, uh, might be getting ahead of ourselves here, but I really think that Finn Balor should beat Seth Rollins. And I think every person having gold except Damian Priest and Damian Priest having the money in the bank makes for phenomenal storytelling. And I don't think it should be a breakup. I just think that that is tension, that's conflict, and that's good booking. All right, so let's talk about Finn and Seth. And, you know, last week they were teasing that – Priest and Balor were getting along, and this year, this week, they're teasing that there's some friction in between them again. Um, this is why picking Damian Priest to win the <laughs> picking Damian Priest to win the Money in the Bank should have been the obvious pick for everybody. We got so we just fucking our eyes glossed over when we saw Logan Paul and all those YouTube views, and well, we should have picked Damian Priest. Direction. There, he was like the uh, yeah. hot chick that walks past you while the fucking magician palms the coin. But they are doing the way that they're doing this is perfect. This is what I want out of a Money in the Bank. Like, give me a reason to watch one of their segments. You know, 
give me a reason to watch anytime the champ is out there and the champ might get beat up because I might miss Damian Priest cashing in. Like, really make it a surprise. I mean, I'm this this is fun. I'm not going to disagree that there it's not intrigue. I just I don't know. I I would be Do you not see Damian Priest as a champion? No, I'm not saying that at all. I just So you the, do. Yeah, totally. I could in a scenario where he takes advantage in true heel fashion with money in the bank, he takes advantage of whoever the champion is, Seth or Finn, and wins the match. That's how I see it. It can, it can easily happen. Totally. Uh, Zach, do you see him as a champion? Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, even if it's not soon, I think that uh, he absolutely has like, earned that, and I, I think he's got the gravitas. And um, Yeah, I don't see him as like a long-term champion or anything, but I see him as one. We will have SummerSlam predictions next week. SummerSlam is on a Saturday this year. Look at those motherfuckers! Oh, I love Saturdays. Oh, I man, will I be wish it was in like Australia or something. I will be at Detroit. Though. I will be seeing Ween that night, so I won't be able to watch it until either late or the next day. So I'm going to have to stay right. off of social media. But yeah, uh, yeah, Ween fucking rules. Uh, this will be like my fifth time seeing him. Anyway, let's get to that three count. All right, no, that's going to do it for our three count. Okay, uh, odds and ends. I forgot about. I forgot about NXT. There wasn't really much on NXT. Uh, looks like Gable Stevenson's gonna have his first match with Baron Corbin. God damn! I hope they have Baron Corbin just destroy. Him. Please <laughs> let Baron Corbin. That'd be pretty great. Just kill him. That would be so funny. He looks so uncomfortable out there this week. But um, also, we didn't talk about death before dishonor and. We probably have been giving it short shrift, but we are G1 fanatics, which is why we led with it. So, um, so this happened Friday night, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we all had uh, just going to say that uh, coming in last place with the picks this week, we had Jason Cornelius Bell with six points. Uh, coming in second place with eight points, we have three beers, Zach. And coming in first place with a perfect night of picking you got yours truly ja boy the maharaja himself job euchre i had nine so right now right now i am in the unprecedented i have the unprecedented feeling of being in first place in the picks with 37 jason one behind with 36 and Zach bringing up the rear with 35. Anyway, uh, Mogul Embassy goes over Wado to Gucci, Leon Ruff. Any thoughts about this? Um, exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's going to say Leon Ruff. God bless him. You know, he, he's always got the North American titles who uh, to lean on at this point. But uh, it was what it was. Nothing spectacular. Zach, did you see the Did you see the post match promo? No. It was so much better than the match. Like, this was, like, a roid, roid-fueled, like, 1980s promo. Brian Cage, like, he was like, people say Brian Cage doesn't have any personality. I'm going to show you personality. And he starts doing Steiner math. And, like, he's like, don't you cut me off, Tony Schiavone. Don't you tell me I'm out of time. And, like, they just, like, ran off. I do remember And, that. like, he does this whole thing. And then, like, uh, I don't know if it was Toa or, or Quan or whoever, but, like, 
uh, one of those guys, like they all leave and then the guy comes back and he just screams in the face of the, the reporter gal and she sold it so well. Oh man, it was phenomenal. Dark, it was so much better than the match. Dark Order goes over the righteous in what was a pretty fun match. Jesus. Like this match. I know. Yep. See, I can always admit when I'm wrong because it happens so fucking often. <laughs> Jason, what do you think of this match? Uh, I'll admit that I'm wrong on this one. Obviously, I just I was a little surprised just the way that they had been booking the righteous. has kind of made sense, but it, it this feels like this is a blow-off because, I mean, you can't have a match like this and then, you know, follow it up. I would like to think you wouldn't, but I could easily be wrong. Uh, no, the match was uh, what I thought would be just – you know, violent, you know, guys, you know, with, with color the whole nine yards. And then from that point, you know, you just had a dark order going over. Like I said, to me, that was the biggest surprise. Outside of that, no, this is what I expected. It was nasty from the start, and it, it just kept going. Three beer, what you got? Uh, yeah, really fun match, and, it, you know, it adds variety. But I think it probably would have been even better if Blood and Guts wouldn't happen less than, like, 48 hours beforehand. Mm, yeah. Uh, but it kind of overshadowed it. But, um, you know, you can separate them intellectually, and I think you're right, it's a blow-off. But, uh, yeah, this this surprised me. It was fun. The Legos thing, the fact that everybody starts <laughs> chanting, you sick fuck, when somebody jumps out Legos, even though there's tables <laughs> and glass, and all, and like, barbed wire wrap bats, but Legos are too far, that will never stop ceasing to be funny to me. I was like, man, it's, it had to be, like, so long since I stepped on a Lego. I'm like, yeah, them motherfuckers do hurt. I mean, you know, especially if you just step on it. Now, I've imagined, like, somebody just threw your ass on that shit. I'd be like, God damn, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so, uh, Ian Rick and Bonnie's like, they're all edges. <laughs> uh, Samojo goes over Dalton Castle. Not much to say about this one. Um, fingers crossed this leads to ZSJ Joe at Wembley. That's the only reason I, I wanted Joe to win just because it keeps that dream alive to, for me. I thought they were doing that for Ben Doran. Obviously, they didn't. So, to me, this is the Are next. Are both belts going to be on the line? Um, you could put them up and have a draw, and, and everybody walks away happy. At least I would. Uh, the best thing, I love Dalton Castle, but the best thing I saw Samoa Joe in this week was a trailer for Twisted Metal on Peacock. I saw that. That looks very fun. I saw that. Is Joe the romantic lead? He is, uh, no. Uh, he is a, uh, what is, what is his name? Sweet Tooth. He's Sweet Tooth. So, like, uh, he's the guy who wears the clown mask and drives the ice cream truck. Is Twisted Metal like a video game? Yes. Oh, okay. It was. Yeah, it was a video game. It was it was vehicular combat, um, pretty much like um, Grand Theft. some of the most fun you can ever have in the 90s. <laughs> uh, uh, Shibata goes over Garcia. Um, what do you think about this, Jason? Um, once again, Daniel Garcia just proves that he can wrestle with the best in the world. The, the L is not going to affect him, I think. Maybe someday he gets this title, but ultimately this leads back to what's going, what was going to happen with um, Jericho. Um, Jericho appreciates society on SmackDown, not SmackDown, Jesus Christ, on um, Collision slash Dynamite. So it was what it was. I thought it was good. Uh, not great. Right guy went over. Zach. Yeah, same. Uh, solid match. Um, they're both great performers. My favorite thing with these tier matches is they trot out um, the old dudes to do like the judging, like right. in, like in kayfabe style, like it's like real, like they're just like I I love that. Like I wish there was more of that in general, uh, just like judging. 
Uh, like fake, fake judging. It's all fake anyway. Uh, we had Aussie Open goes over the Lucha Brothers, the Kingdom, and Best Friends. To uh, me and you have that. Yeah, me and you had that. Jason had him in second. So uh, this match was fucking chaos. <laughs> Very fun. What you think of it, Zach? Yeah, uh, it was exactly what I thought. Like eight dudes working their dicks off, and uh, I um, was pleasantly surprised at it. Necessarily, I got I picked off the open, but it, was, it wasn't a lock. I think either any of us could have been right with that, but um, it was uh, it was good. Very fun. Jason. Uh, for me, personally, it just reaffirms or reestablishes Aussie Open as my tag team of the year. You, you're just not going to be able to tell me otherwise at this point. It, it's not, their matches are going to be good, dare, dare I say great, depending on the opponent. But when you win three separate tag team titles in a calendar year, tell me what you want to tell my me. My tag team of the year is Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, <laughs> uh, in the second, I gotta letter. go with uh, Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> Bust it up. Um, so in the semi-main event slot, we had Claudio versus Pac. Uh, Claudio goes over. There is some chicanery. Wheeler Yuta comes down, distracts Pac, Claudio, and then the scru- the uh, schmaz happens, like we talked about earlier. What you think about this, Jason? Um. Little brother comes out, does what he's supposed to do. There's no, there was just no way that Claudio was going to lose this. And I think we all picked that. We all said that the physical match itself, I thought was good, just with the fact that we just we don't see these two guys in the ring a lot. So that part was the interesting part, just watching them face each other and interact and all that other good shit. The finish was what it, what it was. Not that big a deal. Cardio's not supposed to lose the pack, so I'm just glad we got the match. The the finish, obviously predictable. Two beer. Yeah, uh, the match was fun, but uh, dude, I saw this finish twice on fucking Raw. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say? Like, I would love to see a match between those two guys where there was some intrigue, um, where like they had built up to this match rather than being the unfortunate circumstance of Mark Briscoe's injury. Uh, were you surprised, Zach, when you found out that Athena Willow, Night- Willow Nightingale was going to be the main event? I was surprised, and I didn't realize it until I was watching it. And then I saw, <laughs> like, you know, Claudio and Pat come out, and I'm like, well, what the fuck? Like, uh, and because um, I had the, the show on, I, I watched it, um, you know, like 85% closely. And uh, so they might have mentioned that Athena and they were going to be the main event, but I just missed it on the commentary. But I was surprised. Uh, but they worked their asses off, man. Um, this was, uh, I don't know if it was the best Athena match I've seen. Like, she had a couple of real bangers, like, main events in NXT. But it might have been the best Athena match I've seen. It was that good. And it was definitely the best little Nightingale match I've seen. Um, they were kicking out of each other's finishers. And... Um, the crowd was really behind this match, and that was uh, something that I was really happy for them. And um, just in general, like I was talking about that that division crowd versus like the uh, the collision one because man, uh, they really got the crowd going on this. And like, yeah, props to them. And uh, yeah, Athena, you know, eked it out. What do you think, Jason? 
it's surprising what a little effort and some intelligent booking can create when you get that together and then put two talents in the ring and then you have something that's arguably the women's match of the year. At least for me, this is the ROH women's match of the year. Um, a little I disappointed. Well, I mean, good, good, good. <laughs> no, I say start them halfway through, man. We got some bangers coming up. Um, hey, good. The Rhea Charlotte match is the women's match of the year. Okay, that's this that match. Storm's gonna come up with something for me. I gotta. I'm gonna at least quantify it. For, and this is match could easily be match of the year, Will and Athena, because I thought it was that damn good. I'll just say this. This was the best women's match to happen on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, th- if if TK is even remotely interested, this was the product of that being interested. It's just not consistent enough. And that's where I think ultimately is my biggest gripe against Tony. They put the uh, the sign up on Wednesday night, book the women's division better. Thank you. Somebody else feels me on that I too. And then they TV showed it. I was like, like fucking A right. I'm like, damn Skippy. <laughs> That's the shit. This is the this is a product of what you can do when you put I some thought, effort into it. I thought it. them showing that sign was them saying, we hear you. That's kind of what I think I it was. It was uh, I thought it was a pure accident, but I, I, mm-hmm. I like that idea that we hear you. Um, so I said this before the people love Willow Nightingale and, you know, we give Tony Khan a lot of grief for, for not highlighting the women's division. Uh, Willow Nightingale has had a, a really great couple months. Now, some of that was because Sasha, our Mercedes got hurt, but she did the best job she could with it. I thought that she did really well and I'm a fan. This was a good match. Uh, dare I say great match. And, um, I just want to reiterate that I had a perfect night of predictions, and I came from two back last week. It, yeah, if you have a takeaway, and now I'm one up. I mean, that's what you should be taking away from this. I just feel so good. You're always in the lead, Jason. I'm never in the lead. I'll just say this: if we're going to thirty-seven, do, thirty-six, thirty-five, right if, now. if we're going to if we're going to talk that, at least I had the balls to put you know a couple of upset picks out there instead of just taking chalk. So. That's Take right. that for what it's worth. That's right. I, I picked it like Obama picks the brackets on when he's on okay, Sports Center. Thank you. So, so, like, back, oh, so back the fuck up. Barack Obama's me. got another four number one seeds in the final four. <laughs> okay. Or like uh, Obama picked any issue during his entire presidency. Oh! <laughs> hey man, I say back up off my boy, dog. Okay, <laughs> he's former president. He can do what he fuck what he wants to at this point. All right, so we got some predictions. For the Great American Bash, which is coming up on Saturday, I believe. So, we Sunday. have... Sorry. T- yeah, sorry. Uh, Tiffany Stratton versus Thea Hale in a submission match for the NXT Women's Belt. Who you got, Jason? I love Thea Hale. She's just so fucking over the top. Chase U is reminding me why I like Andre Chase. Um, I just think this is still uh, Tiffany Stratton's time. When she was on SmackDown, she really favored Charlotte a lot, and I think that wasn't by accident when they were in Orlando on Friday. I don't think that was by accident. I think this is going to be Tiffany Stratton's title for a little bit. So, yeah, somehow, some way, whatever this submission is, I'm sure there will be some chicanery happening to set up said submission. But, yeah, I think ultimately 
Tiffany Stratton retains the uh, NXT Women's title. She's going to get her in the Hell's Gate. I got Tiffany Stratton with a Hell's Gate. <laughs> what do you got, Zach? I just want to say that despite my comment against Barack Obama, I still think he was the greatest president of my lifetime, and I'd let him kiss every member of my family on the lips. Wow. Uh, the fuck up! <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, that said, I picked Tim- 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 Tiffany Stratton, not Timothy. <laughs> was that Timothy Thatcher's <laughs> flying over from uh, Japan? Thea Hale in trouble now. I've got Timothy Strap on for the uh, I'd watch Thea Hale versus t- uh, t- Timothy Thatcher. That's um, so we all got Tiffany Stratton. Uh, up next, we have Gable Stevenson versus Baron Corbin. I got to go Baron Corbin here. I just I can't imagine a world where they would have Gable Stevenson go over Baron Corbin in his first match ever. What do you got, Zach? That's amazing to me because I can't imagine the opposite, even though I wish I want to see Baron Corbin beat him. But I... Gable Stevenson, they put so much behind him. Remember, like, he got, like, what was it? He got, like, uh, drafted to Raw, and then he just disappeared for years. But, um, yeah, Gable Stevenson. I think Triple H is so high on Stevenson. Um, I think he, I don't know, man. I think he's sitting that cuck chair for him. What you got in the hotel? Jason? You know, there's always there's always a cuck chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to know, boy. My age stretch imagination. That's funny shit. Um, Corbin, I think, is there to help Gable uh, Gable Stevenson along from point A to point B. I agree with you here on this one. That's the tiebreaker, I guess. It would be hard for me to. See Gabe Stevenson lose this match. Um, Baron Corbin is the right guy for him to face because Baron Corbin is going to take care of him and make him look good and sell his moves. Corbin is is not Teflon, but he can take this L and they can move it along to where Baron Corbin takes the next uh, match and then it becomes a trifecta of matches. So you're taking Gable Stevenson? Yes. Who? Oh. That is surprising to me. Baron Corbin retired Kurt Angle. <laughs> Look. <laughs> last man to pin Roman Reigns. Last man to pin Roman Reigns. <laughs> right? Gable Stevenson is not ready for television. I think it's I think it's weird this match is happening. Uh, but, okay. No, they, I heard on uh, radio, uh, the, triple, uh, the uh, HBK interview, He HBK really wanted Gabe Stevenson to get to this point to get him on television. So, I mean, there's something behind this. All right. In a Weapons Wild match, we have Roxanne Perez versus Blair Davenport. Weapons Wild means that there's going to be a bunch of weapons sitting around the ring that are all legal to use. Uh, Jason, who you got? I love me some Blair Davenport. I do. I think this is where Roxanne gets a receipt. I'm going to take Roxanne to win the match. I am taking Blair Davenport. Uh, who do you have, Zach? Oh, I'm still with Jason here. Um, we're going to be stomping all over that lead with uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We have Gallus versus the family. The family being um, Tony, D'Angelo, and Stax, Lorenzo. Uh so this is for the belts. I think I think the family's been doing good. I like the family here. I'm taking the family to win the tag belts. I think they're over. Jason, I agree. Um, 
you don't have Tony D'Angelo out this long and not have some sort of capitalization on his stacks. I haven't watched it that long, but he feels like he's a, a hot, you know, sidekick to Tony. They fit well together. Their tag team match on NXT was good. Gallus is going to be fine. I think this is just a scenario where they take the Greed brothers out. You put the tag titles on the babyface team. There's plenty of heel tag teams for them to face. So, yeah, I agree with you. I'm going with the family as well. Zach, did you know that Stax actually won a match that got Tony D released from prison? Yeah. <laughs> it killed me. Uh, <laughs> I love, love HBK. Love NXT is. Yeah, I, I know. It. Yeah. Uh, who you got, Zach? Uh, I think it's time. Gallus, uh, I like Gallus. Um, you know, I actually watched NXT UK. Uh, I was one of the, mm-hmm. like, 16,000 people in the world that ever watched that show. But uh, it was good, and Gallus is good, but uh, it is time to move on, and the family is, um, you know, entertaining. Let's get him, get him, some, get him some shine. All right, so we all got the family. Uh, up next, we have Dom... Dominic Mysterio versus Wesley versus Mustafa Ali for the North American belt in a triple threat match. Zach, I'm going to let you go first. All right. Least likely, Mustafa Ali. That is unfortunate, but uh, he's got to be the most talented, underutilized guy around these days. Uh, but he just can't find his niche. He can't, he can't find his place in WWE, unfortunately, but big fan of him. Uh, but he's at least likely here. Uh, and then I'm going to go Wesley because taking the title off Dominic Mysterio. Dude, Dominic Mysterio, if Roman Reigns didn't exist, Dominic Mysterio would be the hottest heel in the company. <laughs> I love it. Jason, who you got? God damn. Very similar, but we're going to switch the orders. I'm going Wesley, least likely. I think he has kind of outgrown the north american championship i could see easily him and carmelo in a program down the line if dragon off wins i can see that as well mid i'm going mustafa ali i thought he was set to win the north american title before my, my boy the notorious dom decided to swoop on in and snatch it up so i'm gonna take him in two and then obviously number one I'm going to take the notorious DOM to retain the North American title. And then, so I got the exact same that Jason does. I like Ali more than Wesley to win because I think that if Dom loses, then they can just continue to tell the story of a guy that was in the main roster that's Cahill that Wesley can uh, chase. He can chase Ali. So that's why I like that more. I think that Dom retains though just because it's too much fun having the belt on him. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Let that man cook. And then last, for the NXT Heavyweight Championship uh, we have Carmelo Hayes versus Ilja Dragunov. Uh, Jason, I think it's your turn to go first. This is intriguing. Uh, the Last uh, final segment on NXT definitely made uh, me look at Dragunov as a more of a legitimate, credible threat. And I not, not, not think he wasn't to begin with. I'm just going to stick with Carmelo Hayes to retain. Not the time just yet. It would not surprise me in the stretch that if Dragunov won this, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. But Carmelo's the hot hand right now, so I'm going to stick with the hot hand. Zach, who you got? I had Carmelo. Uh, really like Dragunov. But, uh, you know, he's just not the kind of guy to, like, carry a brand 
um, at, least, at least this brand. NXT is like on the kind of upswing. I think a lot of people are getting behind it. I think Dom's helping, but I think uh, just getting more eyeballs on the product and stuff, I feel like you just need charisma is almost more important. Just like on the main roster, charisma is almost more important than uh, ring. Not that Carl Hayes is a slouch, but uh, I just feel like it's, it's, it's keep Carmelo Hayes going here. It definitely is like a sillier brand, and they are like coalescing and it's becoming like a real show and it, it you know it's been that way for a little while now um, supposedly on the same interview hbk said that the numbers were up i say key demo numbers are up so i mean i'll tell you what i'm gonna watch the fuck out of this pay-per-view yeah it's, it's definitely gonna be a, a nice little uh change of pace on a sunday night when i don't i'd usually watch something but it's not wwe related especially now when they've gone to Saturdays with their bigger shows. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. There's a couple matches I'm really looking forward to. The women's match, obviously the title match. Um, it should be interesting. I got Dragunov, and here's the reason why. I They had Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams kind of, like, brush past Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley is trying to get this faction put together, right? Stop the tape. When did this happen? I forget. Was this on SmackDown? Probably. <laughs> Okay, yeah, they, okay, it was on SmackDown. Okay, fair enough. I, go ahead and finish. I'll, and I'll, I mean, if Lashley's talking to the Street Profits and he's talking to Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, maybe he's trying to put together Hurt Business New Order style. Hurt Business 2, The Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> <laughs> I think they need a token white guy like Chad Gable in there. Man, that would that is a really good idea. Motherfucker, I mean, this the, ain't the nation of domination. Back up. The, the bloodline <laughs> had a token white guy for a while. That worked out. Like, like uh, Chad Gable comes out and he says, "Enough is enough, and it's time for a change." <laughs> I think that uh, I think that Carmelo Hayes is moving on to greener pastures, and I think that Dragonoff is going to be a like. Mm, I think that Dragonoff is going to be a uh, what do you call it, a transitional champion? I don't know who they're going to put it on next. Damn. I, I'll just say this. To me, Trick and Mello were smoking mirrors just for the fact that they were in Orlando. It was a good time to if to throw us off the scent. Here's a chance to do it. I just don't think it's happening. The Street Profits, God bless them, they aren't doing anything at this point. If you put them together with Bobby Lashley, now you got something. You throw w- Omos's dumbass in the background to look big and stupid. Now yeah, we're talking. WWE doesn't do things to throw you off the scent, though. They do things to beat you over the head with it and uh, let you know. Uh, I don't know about that one. I don't think it, they changed their mind. I would, I would definitely they agree do, with you on that. I just do don't think. Lot. I just don't think this is that. All right, so we could see, we could see a lot of movement here on the scoreboard. <laughs> a lot of different picks out there. So that You're was, welcome. So those are our great American bash. No, you're welcome. Those are our great American Bash predictions, and that was the odds and ends. This motherfucker here. (laughs) Everybody, we got some birthdays this week. Dolph Ziggler is 43. Hunter Hearst Helmsley is 54. Hangman Page is 32. Noam Dar is 30. Nick Jackson is 34. I'm guessing he's the younger one. Um, Sammy Guevara is 30. Captain Lou Albano is would have been 90, RIP. Scott Steiner, RIP, would have been 61. <laughs> He's still around? Ah, yeah, I saw him. Good for him. Uh, I saw him at fucking, like, Starcade just a couple years ago. Oh, man. For Good for him. Good I Lord. hope he's thriving. 
Uh, he's, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if Scott Steiner Doing better was like than a, his fucking brother. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be funny if Scott Steiner was like a real estate agent? <laughs> <laughs> With his mask, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you, know, you do know that Rick is, right? Yeah, I know. But okay, Scott good. Steiner, just, Big uh, Papa Pump, just, I mean, Rick, that kind of makes sense. Big but Pop- if you would have told me in the 80s or the 90s, like, like, hey, this this one's going to be a real estate agent and this one's going to be like a roided up lunatic, I'd be like, oh, it was like Rick was definitely the one that seemed like he was going to be on the, the straight and or I mean, not not on the straight. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a fair point. Hey, Scott Steiner, I was just joking around. Come yeah. on, BFR. Come yeah. find me. I was gonna just uh, say, you better apologize. Marco Stunt. You. Marco Stunt, uh, 27. Mike Kyoto. I love Mike Kyoto. is 57. Devon Dudley is 51. Austin Theory is 26. And Doink the Clown, the original Doink the Clown, is 66. And I'm pretty sure he's still alive. I guess so. Question mark? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Hey, everybody, we know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast for Aaron the Wife, for Check. Ed the May the Baby, Check. for Reba the Dog, Check. for Millie the Cat, for Check. Xander the Cat, Check. for all the neighbors, Check. for Vice, for Tim Check. Mahal, Check. for Murray the Murray Man, Murray, for Double Check. Patriot Pat, Check. for Three Beers, Zach Pullman, Check. for Jason Cornelius Bell, Kenichiwa I am Bill Veggie, Black Lives Matter. Check. Support your local weed dealers. Check. Support your local restaurants. And never, check. ever, ever forget to boo the heels. Boo! Bitch!